Blog Talk Radio. Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective, and I am the head hauntress, and welcome to first episode of season four. So everyone, let's give our all a hand. Who knew? We did it. We did it. We did it. How the hell did we get to four seasons? We have no fucking clue. It sounds like I was just starting to do this in April a couple years ago, going, what the fuck, let's try this, and here we are. Still going strong, having a party online <laughs> twice a month, Sexy Witches. So tonight is season, our, our best of episode, we always open a season of Archivist Best on Sexy Witches with two things, the Oscar nominations, which dropped today, yes, and of course, our favorite time of year, the best, uh, 2017, what were our favorite films, we will do a sexy witch round robin, and get to our favorite films of 2017, and we'll talk about how we do a sexy witch round robin later on in the broadcast, but first, let me introduce our sexy witches. So my first sexy witch is on the West Coast, and her name is Queenie Todd or Queenie Beast, or don't call her anything you want. <laughs> but, but please welcome to the show the sexy werewitch, Queenie Todd from Seattle. Welcome, and please, give, let's get, since this is our first episode of our season, why don't you give a little bit about yourself, tell them what you do, where you write, where they can find you on the interwebs, all the fun jazz that we always do here on Sexy Witches. Well, all right, um, as, as she says, I'm Queenie Todd, uh, a.k.a. Queenie Beast. Um, I have my own YouTube show, which has been going strong since mid-last year. I think I restarted it mid-last year. And, yeah, I do all sorts of horror-related goodness there because that's kind of my specialty is horror shit. (laughs) I'm not really good at anything else, but (laughs) I know horror. (laughs) Um, I'm a sexy werewitch, meaning um, part werewolf, part witch. Uh, That's how I do my magic, you know, transformation and all that shit. And, uh, yeah, I'm a horror-loving crazy person on the Internet that likes to have an opinion once in a while. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. 
You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And, yes, on YouTube as Queenie Top. Narrow-minded crap. Oh, yeah, yeah I have a shop. Yeah, it's hard. you got narrow-minded <laughs> crap. You have an Etsy shop. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you also, you're also into live-action role-play and gaming. So oh, you're yeah. not completely just yes. horror. And snake That's true. That's true. I, I am kind of a nerd in a bunch of other things, like Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Harry Potter. I was still uh, you know... <laughs> You know, we actually haven't done a Harry Potter show yet. We, we should totally do a Harry Potter show. We, we should so do it right before Fantastic Beasts come out. You know? I mean, we've covered, like, the Wizard World opening. We had Kel- Kelsey come That's on true. and do when she went to the yeah, preview. But we've never actually done, like, a Harry Potter fandom thing. Oh, oh I could well, there you totally go. throw down on some Harry Potter. I read those books eight times. We'll just have it. We have a few blank episodes down the road that I haven't filled any slots in for yet. So we, we got, well, we, like we I said, that uh, on. When, right before Fantastic Beasts come out would be great. The sequel comes That's out this true. That's true. That's true. And speaking of it, since he's already chiming in, uh, let's move on <laughs> to my next sexy witch. And uh, she lives in Clifton Forge, Virginia. She's my sexy porn witch, Erin Marie. Erin Marie, give Ooh. a little bit of stats about yourself, what your favorite color is and what your <laughs> turn-ons and turn-offs are. Oh. Oh, well, <laughs> we're going to go that route. No, okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm the sexy porn witch, Erin Marie, and I didn't at first have a title when I came on here. I originally came on Sexy Witches to do a Marvel episode, so I'm definitely a huge Marvel nerd, which you will find out from my list, (laughs) and I am known as the porn witch for a very specific reason, and if you know where to look on the internet, you might find out why. But otherwise, I am a major horror nerd. Musicals are my life. Um, I love science fiction and everything fantasy. The only things I don't find worthwhile in the theater are like romantic comedies and things like that. That can wait till DVD. Give me something good and gory and fantastic to look at and I am there. Yeah, but she has a soft spot for musicals too. Oh, and not she just has like a soft spot. No, not just so like you know like Repo or Rocky Horror like you would expect, but like you know, oh, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, things like that. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. <laughs> some of my favorites are Oklahoma, The King and I, Oliver, Singing in the Rain. And I will get into that when we get to our musical episode, which I'm so excited to do this season. <laughs> yep, that's going to be in too. March, and, and we're gonna we're gonna bring in the anniversary, or we're gonna celebrate the premiere of Frozen on Broadway um, in March, and uh, hey. that will be our our next round robin. Will be uh, movie musicals. So uh, we'll get to that later. And I believe It'll I got to amazing. introduce you last year to um, Reefer Madness the musical as well. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to be such an, because I know all four of us are going to have completely different points of view on this. So I think three of us might have repo on the list. At least three of us. We probably all do. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. have but, every repo. <laughs> Just where oh, we're yeah, living. Like, I, I, dun, dun, dun. You know how I always do a, a, at the top of the year, I always do an interview list and, and then I say, okay, I'm going to stalk these people this year. See if I can get them. Uh, the top of my list this year was Daryl and Bozeman. Nice. I want to see if I can get him on the show. What do you think? I've been doing so bad on the show. That would be fantastic. You know why I'm going? I'm going to uh, a little high for it because only because he's been doing lower level podcasts. He loves the podcast. So but you I'm know like, who would be great to try him. to get for our musical show? Terrence. Well, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> actually, I would love actually, to know what his Terrence, favorite musicals are. Yeah, actually, Terrence and Mike and they're actually one and two on the list, believe it or not. And I think I actually have a better shot of doing getting Zudnick than I would uh, Bozeman. But Zudnick, that's another story. You. We can talk about that behind the scenes. But um, I, I did score one of the people on my list this year, and um, his show is going to be in February. But we'll talk about that at the end of the episode because I do have a few episodes ready to go. Woohoo! Because, you know, I try to be a studious, but, you know, <laughs> I always have too much going on. And um, get back to Erin Marie in just a minute, and you hear the, the sniggering on the right side of my ear. Well, that is my <laughs> cousin. In in the L.A. area in Orange County, Aaron Kogan, and he is our L.A. correspondent and mostly regular correspondent on the show at this point. He's the Warlock of Coke. Orange County. <laughs> the Warlock of yeah. Orange County. Um, and uh, so we actually have a big announcement, too, because we got a couple of huge things we have to talk about before we get into our Oscar nominations. Uh, convention appearances, if you know what I'm saying. But first, Aaron Kogan, why don't you give yourself, give our audience a little bit of stats of what you do in L.A., why you're on the show, and where they can find you. Why, certainly. Um, I have a background in theater, and I love pretty much everything science fiction, fantasy. Um, kind of a latecomer to horror. Uh, my wife is a huge classic Hammer Horror fan, so that's kind of been my gateway, and then I guess I blame the rest on the cuz. And uh, I've been going to Comic-Con since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, yo, and I just keep coming back because it's the greatest show on earth. And uh hit the other uh, things when I can. I'm a huge Disney fan, and... Uh, Collector of all things, pretty much. And um, well, yeah. So he's he's yeah. he's often the he's often the yang to my yang, uh, and you know we, we're always challenging each other to what on the on our geekdoms and raise the bar. So thank you all for coming on the show. Thank you for being part of it for four years. Uh, sexy witches, I really appreciate all the help I've gotten over the years on this show. And we have a lot to friggin' talk about. And we might run a little long, I'll be honest with you, about this show. If we're going to do it right, 
We got to get all this shit in, every single drop of it in. Uh, first things first, I got clean house announcements to make uh, relating to the show. Um, and this has to do first with uh, myself and Aaron Marie. Um, er- all of us here know Nathan Hamilton. He's the son of Celluloid. He's a friend of the show. He also helps with the uh, Code Blue independent film track at Days of the Dead Atlanta. And I was invited to be at the show this year as a moderator on their Women in Independent Horror um, uh, panel, smack dab, Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. So I agreed to do it, and so I'm going to Days of the Dead Atlanta, and it was a plus one, so I'm bringing Erin Marie with me. So we're heading back south again. I wasn't actually initially planning to go to Days of the Dead this year. I was going to give my press pass to Erin Marie, and I was going to be happy. You know, I was like, oh, no, do it, you know. But, but, you know, then they asked me to moderate, and I was one of the first people they've asked to moderate um, a panel of first female moderator. They don't have very many. Uh, so uh, that was, yeah, so I, I'm pretty excited about this. And Days of the Dead is always a good time. Uh, my friend, our friends of the show who's been on the show and uh, filmmaker Mike Lombardo has the opening movie at the film festival there uh, with his um, uh What's it? <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white doomsday, so I can't wait to see that. Um, and um, congratulations, and I convinced Mike Lobardo to join us, so he's coming too. So, yay, Mike Lobardo, we're going to have yay! to the man. Uh, I'm very happy mm-hmm. to see that he's going to be down there. I've, and I've pushed him towards Richard Tanner and a few of the other geeks down there and said, hey, meet these people. So here's Sexy Witches making some connections, you know, making sure no, that the seems- world's co- you know, that's that seems what we to be do. our Days of the Dead ritual, have drinks with directors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the best part. I love listening to people, like, get really drunk and then complain about prosthetics. It's awesome. So, uh, you know, it's a great time. So we got that going on for us. Um, and then, but, but this year, Sexy Witches, our season four is going to be awesome. We have covered Come to Con now since we've started the show in July. The best of fandom. But we have never actually, other than Aaron Kogan, our LA correspondent, none of the sexy witches have actually ever been to Comic-Con. And that's going to change this year. I'm going. I'm going. I won one ticket for Sunday. (laughs) I got got in on Sunday, which, of course, is like the worst day to get in. But I got in on Sunday. There's plenty of things to do outside. Maybe if fingers crossed and the world lightning strikes, I might be able to get in another day. We'll have to see on that. Uh, but I'm going, and, of course, uh, my friend John Hazel, who's called into the show before, he's coming with me, and we're going to meet up with Aaron Kogan, and we are going to rock the convention. So I'm so excited. I haven't decided if I'm going to cosplay or not. Because I have to travel cross-country, and you know that getting costume pieces across country can be issues. Um, I mm. do have my King of Forester costume, and that's pretty easy to carry. I'd have to get my boots back from uh, from Madison, which might be hard. But no, <laughs> I, I could bring them up. I could bring them. One of my trips up to oh, you. No. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. I know she's let. She knows that I occasionally I, I called in the right to call them back if I needed them for a costume. <laughs> she already said we already had that agreement. So you know, so we'll see. But I'm pretty excited. And Aaron Kogan, I can't wait to go rock San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. So he got in all four days. So he's he, he's good. 
So everything you know, but premium. You great right? lucky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> everything about time. Everything but I've had a everything but preview night. Yeah, I've had a couple years of just Sundays and Thursdays, yo. So I was due, man. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm amazing. very happy. It'll be fun. Uh, and so we'll have to see. We'll talk about right now. They have only announced their first wave of guests at San Diego Comic Con. Fortunately, nobody right. I actually seen. I didn't know who they were. They were all comic book writers. So, but I know there'll be more and more people, and it'll just be insane. And I'm so um, oh, I'm yeah. shaking my boots about that one. Um, I also put in for a panel at Awesome Con. So, um, and I'll know if I got in next week. So I'll let you guys know. I doubt it. It's the one I'm actually developing for Scares at Cares this summer. I'm going to do a 35 years of the British video nasty list. I want to, you know, cause it's the 35th anniversary of that. Which incident, I'm really so, excited uh, about. So I'm I really excited about that, that panel. It's a good panel. It'll be awesome. In fact, but I feel like why not test drive it? And I think so, this would be the first panel I would be on. Yeah, it would be. So, um, you know, so we'll test drive it at, at awesome con and see what happens. They do sometimes have a small horror track. Uh, so we'll see. I doubt it. And they do have zombies as a subgenre of interest. So, you know, who knows? So nice. we'll see it like that. Oh, there's plenty um, of zombie movies on the video nasties. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I click zombies. I totally click zombies. And um, speaking of that, I was also just on the Necrocasticon over the weekend talking British video nasty with the boys of the Necrocasticon. I was subbing for Tommy Clark. So, uh, you know, so uh, if you want to listen to me talk, video nasty you can listen to me talk from last week i'll post it later uh last but not least before we get into our oscar talk i have also it's a little bit of a brag but it's also just so cool i had to tell you um i was able to score tickets for the last fan standing for bruce campbell he's going to be here in here in montgomery county like like literally blocks from where i work right like really close uh, he's doing the full show, Last Man Standing, and the whole audience gets little buzzers, and then we answer geeky questions, and then it'll bring the top four on stage who compete. So that's the uh, – I know that Erin Marie went to it when she was in Atlanta, right? Yes, I did. I went to it, it at Walker Soccer, and it was a lot of fun, which is why immediately when I saw he was going to be doing it in Maryland, I sent you the link. I was like, here, you have to do this. <laughs> Yeah, but who knew? Like it was like in Montgomery County College, which is like like literally next door. Like I was like, oh shoot, I have to go, and I'm making Alex Rutherford go, even though he says he doesn't care. Oh but yeah, like, you're going, you're going. You like trivia, you're going. So come on. When so, when is that again? Uh, uh, it's Friday the 26th at 7 p.m. So this Friday. Okay. Very nice. Yeah, so that's all I have. Does anybody else have some news or stuff before we continue? Not that I can mm-hmm. think of. I know that um, Queenie went to a LARP recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to Seattle, Alliance Seattle, their last game this week, last weekend. Uh, yeah, I played my Solinari. It was good. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. So it was kind of like a test, but I just stayed mostly inside the tavern. I didn't really go anywhere else. 
Well, good. Any last call for any other news? How about Aaron Kogan? Anything on your coast? Because you're always got something going up your sleeve. Oh well, I've got tickets for WonderCon, but I figured you know we talk about that closer too. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you got tickets to WonderCon. Okay, well then let's yeah, yeah. let's go into our actual um, Oscar talk. You ready? Um, I had yeah. a friend that really, really wanted to be in this section of the show tonight. So, and he works, and he's a, a hired researcher at the archive. So he hits me up on Facebook, and he hits me up in person. So, you know, I give in and say yes. So he's going to be on the show in just a few minutes. I'm going to bring him on right now. And um, hello, and he's been on the show before. Hello, Orin. You're on with the sexy witches. How are you doing, this, sir? Orin, hello. He was there. He's been there for like several minutes. Hello. <laughs> All right. It, uh, now we got another 202 number. Let's see. I'm going to drop Hopefully. this one. Maybe he changed numbers. Hello. You're on with the sexy witches. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Yes. Hey, okay. You I'm going to turn off the computer ASAP so you can hear me. All right. I'm here. How's it going? Yep. Excellent. We are about to. Oren, why don't you introduce yourself? You've been a correspondent on this show before, usually talking television. And where can they find you on the web? Uh, I blog at sophomorecritic.blogspot.com. I think I'm probably going to give maybe TV reviewing a go in a little while as well. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm really psyched to see her. I've, I've seen 33 movies this year, but only three of the nine nominees, so I have some catching up to do if I want to really get into the conversation. Oh, yeah. No, I think we all have. I was looking at this list, too, and I have a lot of catch-up to do, especially in the best picture category. Hold on. I have another person yeah. on the line. Maybe they uh, – let me see who this is. They've been very patient. Hello, 920 area code. You're on with the Sexy Witches. Hello? They keep going up. They hung up, or then I hello? hit the button. And, hello? Hello? Someone there? Hello? You're on with the Sexy Witches. Oh, hey. Hi. Hey, Oren. It's Alex and Carla. It's Alex? We know yeah. Hey, Oren. We know, we know your guest, the movie critic. We're just, we're just listening in. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Alex, yeah. Alex saw all the money in the world with me. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was pretty good. I like that one. So he has opinions too. He's seen, he, I think he saw Shape of Water. He's seen quite a few of the of the big of the big hitters as well. Anyway, this is uh, Aaron and uh, and uh, Queenie and uh, and uh, Liz, the sexy witches. So I guess you're now part of the podcast. What are the odds? <laughs> there's another Aaron. There's, an, there's another Aaron here too. Uh, so let's go right into. Let's go right into this, bitch, because we have a lot to get to, and I really want to get to our countdowns, which are more exciting to me. So, But this has been, I actually think, a pretty good year for nominations. I know that some people call them predictable. I didn't think quite that way. Did the did the change in the eligibility of who, who they – there was a bunch of fresh blood put into the Oscars at the top of this year. Uh, someone needs to turn their sound down or something. I'm getting a lot of – background or I'm going to have to hang up on you. Hello? Okay, let's see. Is that better, everyone? Is that better? Yes. Much better. Live radio. All right. Great, great, great. So um, they sent a lot of new blood into the Academy after the Academy's hashtag Academy So White 
uh, movements a couple years ago. And this is the first year where that voting affected the uh, nominations. And so did it change things? People wondered if the Me Too movement uh, changed things. And this year we came up with actually, I thought, a rather eclectic list of Best Picture nominations. Mostly standout because this is a genre show and we talk genre pictures mostly. Uh, we actually got not one, but two genre pictures on the list for Best Picture this year. Uh, Get Out, yeah. people actually remembered. And this yeah. is the first time in a long time horror film has made it onto the list. And whether you like Get Out or not, we can talk about that, if, um, you know, and the politics of it being on the list or whatever you want to talk about. Um, that there's a horror film nominated for Best Picture just makes me giddy because it doesn't happen very often. It's like when no, it's called the last Wanda, one I could think you know. of. The last one I could mm-hmm. think of was uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. I can't think of anything else that's been nominated. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Exorcist won, yeah. uh, uh, and that was in '91. But it, it definitely turned a lot of heads when it was nominated in 1973. It's actually, and people forget this word, I like to remind people of psychotronic, which was actually a a more broader term for a genre film with with science fiction or monster elements, not necessarily horror, not necessarily science fiction, and that's where Shape of Water kind of falls. Um, I haven't seen it yet, I'll be honest with you. Um, it won, I wanted to remind people, it won the Producers Guild Award last week. And if it wins that and it wins Directors Guild Award, it's a lock for Best Picture. All right now, it is the front rider. Almost always the PGA and the Oscar mirror each other. Now, last year, the vote was split between La La Land and Moonlight. Directors went with Moonlight, producers went with La La Land, and, well, you saw what happened on stage. Everyone got really, really confused. So um, so we'll see what happens. But right now, The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's movie, is the front runner, and it's got some heavy competition. Um, you got your independent film, Call Me By Your Name, which I've heard a lot of good things about. I haven't had it. It just came out in this area, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, you know, it, I wish I lived in a, Oren lives really close to the East Street Theater, and I would love to be work by that again because I never get to go see good films anymore. Um, Gary Oldman's film, The Darkest Hour, uh, was nominated. I think I think there's I think there's some of the commentary is that the um, the there's a certain amount of traditional kind of Oscar bait films. I, I was thinking Phantom Thread in the post of the Darkest Hour, although some people were saying Phantom Thread's a bit more diverse. And then you have a number of films that are kind of checking the boxes of, oh, we need a woman director, we need one with a, a, a black theme, we need something with a, a gay theme, and things like that. Uh, and I think that some of the unconventional films, like the Pakistani-American interracial love story or the classes, you know, the poor people living outside Disney World, my two, my two favorite films of the year, uh, Florida Project, or two of my three favorites, Florida Project and Big Sick got left out. So I wish they were thinking outside of the box even more than the simple kind of dichotomies they were going with. 
Well, I don't know what's – this is the first year with the new rules, and I look at the list, and I see a little bit of everything. There's a big mixed bag here, good and bad. Um, you know, you got, you, you, got, you, you got a war film. There's almost always a war film nominated for Best Picture when Dunkirk. You got The Post. There's your journalist movie. Um, you have another period piece in war film with Darkest Hour. Get Out is the it was, Get Out would be in a normal year the outsider choice if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Lady Bird, which has got several above the uh, women above the line, is nominated and it's the only one nominated for director also. Um, and then of. And then you got the Frances McDormand, who's all and her her little pet project, the little billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, did I list them all? Is that all of them? I think that is all of them. Can you talk the about water, billboards for a second? I want to raise a point yeah, about genre, please. which you brought up earlier. Um, I often find that the uh, that they might not have a good history of nominating genre, but they often nominate genre directors. Like Wes Anderson has a certain niche. Uh, I think Martin McDonough and David Fincher has a certain niche of kind of horror, kind of, you know, very tightly paced. And when they get more mainstream in their taste, like uh, that one with the uh, Benjamin Button or Grand Budapest, which are a little bit more grand and a little bit more Academy flavored, that's when they start to get recognized. I think Martin McDonough, based on his last two films, is a genre. Uh, Seventh Psychopath is like a spaghetti western. Kind of in Bruges is kind of like a dark mafia comedy. I feel like they both are genre. I don't know if Three Billboards has expanded to be a bit more academy flavored. Uh, has anyone seen it? I'm I'm planning on seeing it in a couple of days. Anything with another genre film? I really want to no. see it. Uh, I like I said right now. I've literally only seen one of these films, and that's uh, embarrassing. Seen Get um, Out, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, the only we one did I've watch seen. the Big Six, so I mean that's nominated as well, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's later in the list. It just wasn't for Best Picture, and uh, and, yeah. and and Orin, there is some truth to what you're saying because Sam and Phantom Thread's a perfect example of that. Paul Thomas Anderson has been a cult director for years, and one of those character directors that are kind of an acquired taste that people have always liked. And here's his biggest film to date, and it gets some Best Picture nods. So you know, so there is some truth to that. Um, so let's, well, let's move on. I think for their little bit of blood before, but yeah, um, which is another kind of more grand experiment. Yeah, but this is like far his highest profile nomination. You know, you've got Daniel Day-Lewis in it. You know, oh, that's it's true. It's pretty huge. So uh, now let's move on to some acting. Uh, we got the actor in a leading role, which, um, you know, once again, not a huge surprise. Um, the guy from Call Me By Your Name is in there. Not said surprise. Daniel Day-Lewis in his final performance. Denzel, because he's like Meryl Streep. You know, you just hear, here, Denzel, here's your pass. He gets in. So he's yeah. nominated. Uh, <laughs> And then, of course, the two, the two standouts, the two ones that genre picture people would give a care about is Gary Oldman for The Darkest Hour. And then I always mess up his name, Daniel Kalaluya. Oh, how do you say his last name, Aaron? One of the Aarons, either one. Does anybody know how to say his last name? Because I don't want to embarrass myself. I already have. But, no, um, you know, the kid uh, not a clue. Your, your pronunciation is as close as mine. Kalua or some or Lou, it's got two syllables on there that are like unusual. But anyway, they got Kid from Get Out, which, by the way, um, I know that Queenie was revisiting Black Mirror recently, and he's in one of my favorite episodes. Same. Fifteen million. Yeah, so he's, he's in, in Detroit too. 
Yeah, he, he's yeah. so good. I love that kid a I've, lot. Um, so I've been watching uh, Black Mirror recently with Lydia. I've been, uh, I think we've got maybe seven episodes left. Uh, I need Crocodile, to watch season right? four. I still haven't done um, it yet. Um, I need to catch up with season four, but I'm looking forward to it. But um, you know, it's not a, a huge, I'm not as excited about uh, leading role actors as some of the other ones, but it's a good solid list. I don't think anybody can really complain, except for of course that David Fra- uh, James Franco is not there. And uh, I actually do think that some of the politics that happened right after the Golden Globes killed his chances. Uh, whether he deserved it or not, that's you know up for debate. Um, I was listening to Brie Larson talk about it, and, uh, you know, the whole thing's kind of a mixed bag, and who knows what's going on. Uh, but either way, I do think that, the, uh, that you know, he's, he's, he, the whole movie, was on, The Disaster Artist, was almost completely shut out of the Oscars this year. So, you know, it, that's very odd that that would suddenly happen, but, it, you know, well, it's such a huge front runner. And I'm not even a huge fan of the film. I, I actually am not. It's not. It made my top 20 this year, but it's number 20. So, um, wow. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, to get a uh, to get a nomination to get a nomination in the writing category, that's a big eight. Is pretty solid. He'll always have a Golden oh. Globe. I, I'm in favor of separating the art from the artist. So I wanted to see him. Uh, I wanted to see him get. I wanted to see him get nominated, but at the end of the day, I also wanted to see. I did see the Denzel Washington movie, and he's fantastic in it. And I think that um, this is a complicated issue. I think that we're getting to a point where people are free to form their own opinions, and we can honor. If you want to honor James Franco's performance and continue to watch the movie, I don't think. I think we're. General point where even people like Ashley Judd and Allison Brie, who are her proud feminists, are supporting James Franco, you know, the artist. And I think that's the important thing of where we need to be. Yeah, well, maybe I'll have an episode devoted to this whole issue. But I've been kind of because this is my this is my safe space. I like to have fun here, so that stuff just yeah. makes me sad. <laughs> so, that's but anyway, uh, anybody want to? Yeah. Does anybody else have any comments really about? Good, though. Oh, anybody else want to say anything about leading actor before we move on to actress? All right, then I'm going to move on to actress because, of course, the front runner, which is kind of amazing, is one of my favorite actresses, um, and she she sometimes gets nominated for things, but she's not as big known here on the states as she is in England. Uh, her name is Sally Hawkins. And she is up for The Shape of Water for a character that doesn't speak. So, And she is the front runner to win the Oscar this year, which is kind of crazy. And she's got some stiff-ass competition following in her uh, footsteps. Mm-hmm. you got Frances McDormand, of course. And you got Soros um, and Ronan, who started as, uh, I think her first film was Atonement, and she was nominated for Best yeah. Supporting Actress. Uh, now she's getting her nomination alongside Meryl Streep. And, of course, what made me really happy is the genre geeks would love Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie has been nominated for I, Tanya Hardy. I, Tanya, I can't wait. I really want to see I, Tanya. Still haven't seen it yet. I, I, I know that story so well. And, you know, I just want to see how they do it. But, anyway, so it's a really tough year. Um, and it's a good, fun list of people um, for Best Leading Actress. And I'm very happy that, you know, anytime Frances McDormand is nominated, it's a good day. Um, And Meryl Streep, once again, is like Denzel Washington. She can walk into the room. Oh, Oscar nomination. Matter of fact, 
it, the, um, what was it, the Animaniacs, when she, there was one episode where Mel Street's in it, and every time she says a line, someone throws an Oscar at her, and then she has a huge bag <laughs> of Oscars next to her under the table. Yeah, so that that's Meryl Streep. So. But, you know, those are, the best actor and actress are, are solid, but not surprising. Like, they're not, like, exciting uh, categories. The really exciting category, I think, when it came to the acting this year, was probably Best Supporting Actor. Did you see who was nominated for that? So, yeah, and this is where Oren's, one of Oren's favorite movies comes in. It's one of the few times the Florida Project got noticed. Uh, William Defoe, who's supposed to be William really, Defoe. really good in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, William Defoe for the Florida Project. When is William uh, Defoe Woody Harrell- not doing <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, and he's also in one of my favorite horror films. He's in uh, Shadow of the Vampire. I love that movie. Uh, he's ready. also, uh, wo- yeah, uh, Woody Harrelson is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. One of my boys, Richard Jenkins. I mean, how often do we not love J- Richard Jenkins? I mean, Richard Jenkins yeah. is the best. He's up for Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer gets nominated for the film where he came yes. in at the last minute and replaced all of Kevin Spacey's footage. So who knew? Yeah. All the money in the world. I have no idea if this movie is good or not, but the subject matter sounds really awesome. Uh, so and, and then of course and you then, gotta have Sam Rock. Sam Rock, which is one of my who, favorite actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Rock well, is entertaining. entertaining. To be honest. He's, I think he's good in everything he's in, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but this uh, is a this is a category of uh, character actors through and through. I've never seen. I don't think. I mean, because in previous years you've had like Ed Norton, who's mostly a leading man in the supporting actor category, or you know, uh, I don't know who else is in there. Jeff Bridges was in there last year. This is really all supporting. It's really these are five solid it, character actors. It's great. This is an exciting list. There's no front runner. Um, it, it, it's it's just one of those things where sometimes the Academy gets it right. And I think they got it right with this list. So two snaps, the Academy occasionally does something right. The old fogies, you know how I feel about them. I, I really get frustrated with the old fogies. But now there's some new people in there. So maybe the new blood is actually mixing up with the old fogies. So... Not quite as good, but almost as good. A nice, decent list is um, Mary J. Blige is uh, follows up with a list of uh, with her nomination for Mudbound, which is insane, uh, in supporting actress. But following with her is Allison Janning, who's one of my favorite actresses. I can't believe Allison Janning is awesome, and uh, I'm sure everyone here knows who she is, right? You know who she is? Yeah, like. I think she's oh, not, I think that this is one of her weaker performances. Uh, did anyone else see I, Tanya? No, I didn't no. see Itania. Not yet. No, my sister and I are going to be watching all of the Oscar-nominated movies this weekend. That's what we've one decided of the things, to be doing with her weekend. One of the things, one of the things that I give her a strike for is that she didn't she didn't actually like interview the subject she was portraying. So I mean, we can all comment on that without seeing the movie. I feel like. She did a disservice to the subject, who is still alive, by not reaching out to her. She only, you know, I feel like that's that's just not that's not a thing to do. I completely well, disagree uh, with that. Whoa! Go ahead. Because <laughs> I, I mean, don't you want? I, I, I mean, I absolutely one hundred percent disagree with that. Um, well, we got to talking to the what? talking to the person that you're going to be portraying can really fuck up your performance first and foremost 
But secondly, that's just one tool in the toolbox. I mean, depending on what kind of production your performance is going into, from the preview I saw of I, Tanya, it's a very heightened reality uh, movie. It's not at all a realistic thing. You, you've got Tanya Harding talking directly to the camera and saying things like, this never happened. So uh, I, I think it's a, a huge disservice uh, to say that uh, it's a strike against her that she didn't talk to the actual person. Well, in the movie, uh, I, Tanya, in the movie I, Tanya, Tanya's mother is portrayed as an extremely terrible mother, a very negative influence. And the movie humanizes both the characters of Jeff and Tanya Harding because they did interviews with them. So I would imagine that uh, if they were interested in making Tanya Harding's mother more than one-dimensional, they would have made a bit more effort. I know that the, the media, newspapers, were able to contact the mother, but the production official stance was we tried to contact her, but didn't. Yeah, I'm not so sure that uh, the other characters were... Well, I haven't seen it, so I can't really tell you for sure, but, you know, just making an educated guess, I'm not sure it's that the characters of Tanya and her boyfriend were more rounded because of the actors talking with their real life counterparts as much as maybe the script and the director. Yeah. I imagine. So you are in the actors. You, you are an actor by profession. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not so much by profession these days, but yeah. But, Uh, but yeah, he's been as, yes. Yeah. He's, he's sung in Gilbert and Sullivan even. Oh, yeah. I've, I've I imagine done. some actors talk to their subjects. I mean, and it usually, I guess, it, so you're saying sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's like method acting, you know. Sometimes you really want to inhabit the character, and sometimes it's completely wrong for where the production is going. And you can actually screw up the entire thing if you try to do it that way, If you if you try to use a hammer where you would use a screwdriver, to use a horrible analogy. Well, either way, well, I, I love I Alice Janney. I would encourage though. you all to watch I, Tanya. Um, it's a good movie, and then I guess judge for yourself whether Alice and Janey. I, I know she's a great actress, and I believe she's deserved an Oscar nomination for some of her other projects. I'm not sure this is her year, yeah, it, so maybe it will be Lori well, Metcalf. You, 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 Lauren, right you, you know that sometimes when they nominate someone, like someone like Alice and Janney is a good example, actually. It's usually they, they, when they give them a win for a film that isn't quite as good, it's because they've had a solid body of work that the Academy has been the basically ignoring for years and years and years. Yeah, you know, and then they're finally giving yeah. it to them, and you see that every once in a while. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it would be Taylor's something like a good that. example of that one. Yeah, you know, it's like overdue kind of thing. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, and to follow up, let's let's make sure we give everybody else. We said Mary J. Blige, Ellison Janning, but we also have Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, uh, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, which is a shout okay. another genre actress, and then Octavia Spencer, who now she's now officially has her ticket to get a free nomination uh, with Denzel Washington and Meryl Streep, because she's been nominated now, what, is this her third or fourth time as third. Uh, Best third, Supporting Actress? The, uh, she's now the most nominated African-American actress in the Oscar history. Yeah, that's right. So she gets her official I can get nominated at any time card. Uh, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, but there. she's really good, uh, too. Come on. You know what, you know what else is an interesting good. statistic? 
Can I share an interesting statistic? Um, you know Michael Stuhlbarg from The Post and The Shape of Water? And that has been in more Best Picture, nomination, Best Picture nominated films than Meryl Streep. He just really cool. kind of plugs away wow. in the background of, you know, and he only, you know, <laughs> he's been in seven nominated films to date. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. And so Caleb Landry-Jones has been in five. Uh, let's switch gears here uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, I want to talk about the animated feature film because that's one of my favorite categories. And there was some rule changes in that category as well this year. And the list is kind of odd because of it. There's still two independent nominations, but there's some big, like, broad, why is it on this film list kind of films, but we have The Boss Baby, which my daughter loves. I have yet to see it, but she says it's great, so now I have to watch The the Boss Baby with her. Uh, The Breadwinner, (laughs) which is the follow-up to um, Song of the Sea, which is the same Irish company that did the Book of Kells a couple years ago, Secret of Kells. Uh, Fantastic company. Um, This is their Afghanistan film, uh, war film, and uh, so I'm extremely curious. So they got nominated. So they're not really an insider. So I mean, I mean, outsider. They they've been nominated now for every film they've done for you know for three films straight. So um, a Coco, which is clearly going to win, guys. Yep. With this list, Coco is going to win. Um, Coco is fantastic. I was just listening to yeah. the music again to it today while I was getting ready for the show, and I really forget how good the music is in Coco, and there's so much going on in it. Um, this one perplexes me. Ferdinand. Ferdinand was nominated. Ferdinand. Mm. Really? Ferdinand. Okay. Uh, was there a Laka film this year? Probably not, because Ferdinand was nominated. You know, um, and then last <laughs> but not least, Loving Visit. Vincent was nominated. So does anybody have any comments about the animated list? Well, one of them made it onto my ten best. Same here, actually. <laughs> and you know, wasn't the boss baby? But which maybe one that I is. should watch it. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that later when we do our own <laughs> countdowns. Um, and I also, I'll do it at the top of our countdown. But my daughter, speaking of animated list, gave me her top five to read on the show. Ooh, Aww. So, um, so I am going to read her top five as well. So. Now let's get back to my favorite kind of stuff, and this is um, the the technical award. Let's start with let's go straight into one of the heavy hitters. Beautiful films, every single one of these movies. Even if I haven't seen the films, I've watched enough to know the cinematography is fantastic in every single one of them. And that is, you know, um, its best cinematography is um, Blade Runner. Rich Roger Dinkins. Now, if he does, this is his 14th nomination. Never a win for Roger Dinkins, one of the greatest cinematographers of our generation. Um, a lot of people think that Blade Runner 2049 is his best work, but did enough people see it to give it a win? We don't know. Um, the Darkest Hour is up for a nomination. Uh, Dunkirk, which is supposed to be an amazing-looking movie. Um, Christopher Nolan films always are. Uh, Mudbound, mm-hmm. which is now the first uh, female um, to be nominated as for the director of photography. So congratulations mm. to Rachel Morrison. She just broke ground in one of uh, in a boys' club for sure. And last but not least, the Shape of Water, which is currently the front runner. So it was a nice solid list. I really can't say anything bad about the technical um, 
aspects of any of these films because, you know, um, we're not talking about movies now, the content of the film. We're talking about tech specs and who's nominated. I really, really want Roger Dinkins to win this, though. I am so sick of rooting for Roger Dinkins and having him not win. Uh, The man is a genius, and genius needs to be noticed. Stop it, Academy. Give Roger Dinkins. Stop making him the Susan Lucci of cinematography. Give him his damn award. Blade Runner 2049 was so stinking gorgeous, and it was so brilliant the way they launched off of the original. It, it, it's definitely its own film, but it seamlessly fits with that world and expands it. It's just a sumptuous film. There are so many images that come back to me just thinking about the film. Well, I'm, it's the one film that I've been kicking to myself that I haven't been able to see in the theaters. And I'm really hoping with the – because it did – it got five nominations in the Tech Awards – that mm-hmm. I'm hoping they re-release it in the theaters for a short period of time because it's one of those films that need to be seen on a big screen. And yeah. I know it's coming out on Blu-ray next week, but that's not the same. I really no, want to out. see it on the big screen if I can. Is it out? It's out. Now? I have it. Yeah. And oh, well, the uh, Dolby Atmos <laughs> is fucking fantastic. Blow your socks off. Oh, well, off. that's good. encouraging. Encouraging. Yeah. I also want to see it on a big screen. Yeah. I don't know if we um, skipped past the screenplay categories, but I w- we should briefly mention a historic first today, because one of you said you were a Marvel fan, but the first superhero movie got <laughs> nominated for screenplay today. Oh, the what, first what, superhero what, what, movie, Logan. I didn't even notice that. What oh, was oh. it? Logan's the first superhero uh, movie in Oscar oh, series yeah, nominated Logan. for screenplay. Oh, well, trust me. Oh, my God. No, we, we have oh, a lot Logan. to unpack. In the, 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 the screenplay nominations, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm saving them. They might be last oh, in this list. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should discuss that because that was yeah. a really crazy year. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. no, screenplays, screenplays are just at, like, my best supporting actor and the two screenplay categories are by far the most exciting categories this year in the Oscars. They're just an amazing competition. Uh, now, costume design is very simple. We got, you know, a lot of genre stuff here. Usually the one that's the most period piece wins but these are all little odd pieces none of them are really truly period in the sense that they are old period except for beauty and the beast and that's heightened reality fairy tale style period pieces um darkest hour is a period piece but it's relatively modern same with phantom thread though i think that's the front runner just because the costume design in that film is is you know it is pretty astounding though honestly i thought the beguiled was going to end up as a nominee and i'm really surprised it's not here instead they have shape of water and victoria and abdul um so uh you know uh, none of these are really super exciting there was no daring li- uh, things on the list no priscilla queens of the desert or anything like that um right. you know i kind of i kind of miss that you know like the really big oh, surprise yeah. modern out of the box ones did right, anyone see so, Beguiled, by the way? I have it in my in my room. I ha- I watched ten minutes of it. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I have oh, it, and I'm I have not... this, this the killing of a sacred deer. That's the other film I have. So well, since I'm not sticking around for the top five, I should mention Beguiled is like five or six for me. It's it's a really good film. I was hoping it would get something. Yeah, and there's I, a really I, good I, article I, on the film experience for. Uh, well, they interview the costume major about the costume maker about all the choices she made. It's really great. 
you could look up interview with, you know, costume maker of the Beguile. It's really interesting. So, yeah, well, see, did, uh, I'm a little bit upset at the snub for costumes for that, for Beguile. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, directing, uh, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan gets his first nomination. Hooray, hooray. Uh, get out. Jordan Peele gets his first nomination. I mean, come on, Jordan Peele, who knew? Uh, Greta yeah, Gerwig really is the only woman that. nominated. I'm happy about Greta Gerwig being nominated. So that made me happy. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who I love, of course, he's nominated, and Guillermo del Toro. So this list is actually extremely strong. I mean, extremely strong here. And the front runners right now is either Nolan or Tel Toro. Guys, why would they? Why Don't would they grow. make you make that decision? Oh my God! <laughs> Between those two, uh, yeah, I think know, it'll be Del Toro. Del Toro. That's what I'm calling. It depends. Yeah. I am not and calling he's a great it until. I am not going to call it until February second. I want to see who wins the director Guild Awards, and that one, I'll make my decision. If if go if he if Totoro wins the DGA he wins the Oscar and he also wins Best Picture. If Nolan wins the DGA, uh, Nolan wins Best Director and Guillermo del Toro still wins Best Picture. Those that's my current prediction, but I'm gonna wait for sure until the DGAs. All right, mark my words. Okay. Well, got it, got it. All right, all right. Move on, move on. All right. Well, we're not going to uh, – documentary feature was okay this year. Usually I know every single film because I work for the archives and they always show them every year. I don't know anything about these movies except for Icarus. Um, <coughs> and we'll move on from the short and go to one of my favorite categories, film editing. And the big standout for me is one of my favorite films of the year, Baby Driver, which so right deserved this nomination. Deserved it, yep. deserved it. it yeah, that's in my top five. <laughs> Absolutely deserved to be nominated. Uh, even if it's not a great film, it is one of the tightly edited, edit, most tight edits I've seen in a movie in ages. There is no room in that film. No room. It is just all packed in <laughs> in this little dense little ball of of action and music, and I really enjoyed that. So, um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk is also nominated. Uh, I, Tanya is nominated. Shape of Water and I, Three Tanya. Billboards. I, Tanya. I, Tanya well, is nominated. I'm not sure I know. Great editing, but who knows? Um, Shape of um, Water question. Are you sure that – you say it was nominated for cinematography. Are you sure it belongs to more in art direction than cinematography? I didn't see it yet, but I, was, I always think Guillermo del Toro's films are more CGI'd. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he, he's always a mixture of both. Uh, Guillermo Novaro won for cinematography, uh, and I believe it also won uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and then he also, his art director also won that year. So, uh, you know, no, it, 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 he's, his set, he, he, he's a perfect balance of both. At least that's how I've always felt about Guillermo del Toro movies. So yeah. he, he knows how to play with it. Um, now, I'm not going to dwell on the foreign language films this year because I don't know much about them, but I can tell you there's one front runner on there for sure, and it's The Square from Sweden. I've heard a lot of great things about this movie. <laughs> it's definitely the most mainstream film on the list. But what makes me laugh, though, is there's a Russian film on here, and it's called Loveless. You couldn't get more Russian than that. 
it's probably a comedy, knowing them. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. Um, okay, so we're at makeup and hairstyling. Only three nominees this year. Uh, Victoria, Abdul, Darkest Hour, and Wonder. Uh, kids film my daughter wanted to see really bad. So, uh, you know, uh, I really yeah, really want to watch that, too. She read the book in school. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not really happy with this category at all. First of all, there's only three. Second of all, I still think they need to split it up between effects makeup and beauty makeup. I don't think they should here, be combined. Here, here. Never, you know, I, I, it pisses me off that they're still combined. There, ha- there was so like, like Guardians of the Galaxy isn't here. Where is that? Thank uh, you. Makeup. Other makeup. Autopsy of Jane Doe, which they would never, ever nominate. The Void had better practical makeup. Cult of Chucky had oh, better yeah. practical makeup. There's just like there's just so many pla- places they could have gone with that category, and this year it's a total letdown. And it's always my favorite because there's some out like they'll nominate Norbert in this category just because the makeup's good, even if the film is shit. I talked about that on another show. It just cracks, but no, not this year. Let's move on, move on. Um, original score, exactly how I knew it would fall down. Uh, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, The Shape of Water, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually want John Williams to win this. Right I'm on. really surprised. Um, Last Jedi had a great score. I mean, besides yeah. obviously incorporating classical themes, uh, the way that he was able to take those and apply them to it, I thought it was one of the best Star Wars scores of all time. It brought me back to the original film where the music made you excited to watch the spaceships fly. You know, I I, I yeah. actually think it's his best best score since uh, Harry Potter three, honestly. Uh, mm. So I I I really 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 loved the Star Wars Last Jedi score. I I just think that it, it stands alone too. If you listen to it on Spotify without the spaceships and stuff. It's so good. It brings in the themes exactly when you want them. It expands on themes from other movies, too, that you wouldn't even think they would bring back, even some stuff from Phantom Menace. I mean, he's been consistently with these films for so long. He owns it. You know, he he knows what he's doing. So, you know, John Williams, let's see. I I don't normally root for him, but this year I do. (laughs) Um, And I'm I'm rooting for the front runner, too, for best original song, uh, Remember Me from Coco. And by far, that's the one I've written for this year. Uh, Mighty no. River from Mudbound follows up. That's Mary J. Blige's second Oscar nomination in a year. Uh, congratulations again, Mary J. Blige. Um, Mistress yeah. of Love, Call Me By Your Name. Stand Up for Something from Marshall. And This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, which is really surprising how little The Greatest Showman got. It was supposed to be a major, major contender for Oscar, and I think this is its only nomination. Am I right? Mm. I believe I believe the reviews. Well, this is, Greatest Showman is a very interesting case study because the reviews were bad. The cinema score was bad, but then it made a lot of money. So it's <laughs> and now the critics are starting to come around because they have to find out some way of explaining why it's, why people like it, you know, and saying you know it's a great guilty pleasure. I think. Uh, Erin Marie, did you get your mom to see this? Yes, I did. I no, wait, yes. 
hold on, who went with me? The <laughs> girls went with me. I took the girls. We loved it. Uh, oh, really? My only compl- my only complaint was that the songs were all too poppy. There wasn't enough. This is um, a very poppy show. Too. There wasn't enough range. Hmm. It just became there, kind of uh, repetitive. But otherwise, it was very entertaining. There was a backlash in the, in the papers uh, and online about taking a problematic historical figure and kind of whitewashing him and uh, giving him such a happy poppy, yeah, he wasn't like that at all kind of story. He was yeah, exactly. Union, he was actually a union. Um, he was an abolitionist, and he, I think that the complaint is more that I, I don't think they did much research about him at all. It was more Hugh Jackman just wanted to do a musical than he wanted to sink into the uh, role, which is why well, I think he absolutely did deserve a nomination. You mean he didn't interview Barnum? Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, this is this is even he's even more disconnected from the subject than Alexandria is. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I, mean, I remember reading about uh, the whitewashing, and one of the things they said was that, uh, that they glossed over some of the more horrific aspects of how he got to be famous. And yeah. one of the things he did before ha- having the circus was like purchasing a slave and using her for for just like medical. Um, I, I think what they did is when she died. I can't remember what he what she did when she was alive when he had her, but um, he sold sh- tickets to her autopsy. I mean, he made her autopsy wow. public spectacle. I I believe he was not. I think that he was. There is some fairly good cases to be made, and I think it's again a political issue from a a press that is increasingly politicized. Uh, are polarized on issues such as this. I mean, remember they also claimed La La Land was whitewashing last year, which was an argument that I didn't favor. It depends on where you fall on it. Um, well, the white guy does uh, kind of teach the black guy how to play jazz. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't really whitewashing. Uh, it was more mansplaining. White mansplaining. Uh, I don't know what that means. You're saying that and the same thing that wrote the music for Bob Land wrote music for Greatest Showman as well. You're mm. saying, but you're saying a white guy isn't allowed to appreciate jazz anymore? It's automatic. No, 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 no. It's okay to appreciate jazz. It's not okay to be pretentious and tell people that they're wrong about the jazz they listen to. Oh, but he was pretentious anyway. It's not racist pretentious. He was just a pretentious character. I just said it was pretentious. I said he was mansplaining. I didn't say it was racist. I just said he was mansplaining. Oh, I will. I'll face racism. Well, I'm not, yeah. So I guess we'll agree to disagree on this one. Um, We talked about La La Land last year. Let's put La La Land to bed. I'm done with La La Land. Well, okay. I feel like like a lot of uh, critics uh, who are uh, in the identity, a lot of film criticism is taken over by a lot of identity politicians or identity politics-oriented critics who who use this as part of the Oscar campaigns. But uh, I, I can also say about La La, La anyway. Land that the music, but if you want to know why La La Land didn't deserve Best Picture, because the music is bland, the story is boring, and it, 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 has, and it doesn't go anywhere. 
It's like a long, well, slow, dry-out yeah. sex act with no orgasm. That's what La La Land is. It has all the potential to be a good, good explosion, and all you get is a. Eh. It gets a lot better on second viewing. Uh, it gets a lot better on second and third viewing. But um, well, with the subject of the Greatest Showman, which is this year, the film sort of fails on its own. There's a little bit of the, a little bit of historical controversy, but I'm not sure if the Academy would take that seriously. Um, I, I, I don't know I'll watch it eventually. Did anyone see Mudbound? Because we, we talked about Mary J. Blige again. Because I thought it was surprising she got nominated. Her role's very, very understated. It's very quiet. I think Jason Mitchell might have uh, been a much stronger star. Well, that Mudbound showed so well in the Oscars was the overall biggest, probably the biggest surprise of the list, just overall. Yeah. I would say that Mudbound you know, got, had Reece, a couple solid nominations. Hmm? I would have been very comfortable seeing D. Reese uh, or so, uh, Sofia Coppola both among my maybe top five or six directors of the year um, if they were really trying to get a good, you know, like a Whitman director's experience. But um, I do believe Mary J. Blige, and I don't know who's seen it, her performance is curiously quiet, and she, I'm not sure what they saw in her. I'd be curious to know. I'd be curious to see some light-ups. I'll the get performance. back to you on that. I haven't yeah. seen, like I said, I have a lot of catch-up to do. But we're running long on this segment, and we got some important stuff to talk about besides this. We got our movies to talk about. So let me go over. There's a variation on the theme in here for the next few awards. Uh, I'm going to skip over animated short. Uh, production design, which is set in, in sets and framing. Beauty is the Beast, Blade Runner, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Shape of Water. Uh, ho-hum, not very exciting there. Um, Baby Driver got sound editing and it got sound mixing nominations. I'm very excited about the sound mixing nomination because I think it actually has a chance to win. Um, effects editing will probably go to Dunkirk because the loudest war film always wins. Brave Runners Up, Shape of Water, Last Jedi. Jedi has a chance. I will say though, sound effects editing in, in Last Jedi is phenomenal. That moment of silence was louder than any other thing I saw in film last year. So, uh, you know, uh, so there's some amazing sound editing in Last Jedi. It also no has mixing as well, uh, Shape of Water, Dunkirk, and Blade Runner. Uh, what else? Visual effects is kind of fun. you got Blade Runner. you got Guardians of the Galaxy with its only nomination. Uh, Kong, Skull mm. Island with its yay Andy Serkis. Uh, Star-, yeah. Star Wars Last Jedi, big surprise there. War Planet of the A, yeah, again, Andy Serkis. Uh, so Andy Serkis, still the, he, he, he introduced the nominations this morning, but still has never won one. The Why is the Science Geeks just giving him an award? I don't know. The science guys can give it to him at any time they want. Come on, Science Tech Award dudes. Give Andy Serkis his Oscar, and then give Doug Jones one, too, while you're at it. Okay. Here, here. off my soapbox. Yes. Okay, last but not least, I wanted to save my two favorite categories of the year for last because they're just the best. First one is writing, adapted screenplay. The nominations are Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, the big one for us geeks, and Queenie, you've been very quiet, but I know you'll have a lot to say about this. Logan was nominated, Queenie. So, oh, I love this fucking movie. And yeah, and Mudbound. That, that Logan was nominated is actually was out of the box thinking. I was very so already right. Really it is one of the first. Films. Not very often a comic book film you see it on the list here, but here it is, Logan. Uh, I saw it with Aaron. Well, Marie. it was a, we watched it. Go yeah, ahead. it was a very gritty, realistic 
movie. It, yes. it followed more of a, a, a grizzled you kind could of face the guy dirt. than a superhero kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. So I can see where it was it was nominated. And Dark Knight didn't yeah, even it, get this. It's the first uh And first it was very movie. surprising to watch Professor X be so grumpy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, oh man. I love the grumpy old man. <laughs> It was kind of a sad, very sad movie. We'll talk about Logan. I'm sure it's going to come up on your list somewhere. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, we had an entire episode devoted to the disaster artist. And honestly, of all the nominations it could get, this is the one that I least wanted it to get because I don't think it's a very good adaptation of the book. <laughs> it's an excellent adaptation of the room. <laughs> it's not such a great adaptation of the book. So, but it's it's still a good movie that way. Uh, but not, but it's still I'm it's, I'm happy at least it got something. So how do we feel about this? I'm hearing noises in the back again, guys. I don't believe the noise was over. Um, I I was pleased to see Get Out Jordan Peele's script up there. I was really oh, we haven't hit that one yet. We got, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Don't talk about Get no, Out. We're sorry, talking about Adapted Screenplay. Oh, I didn't mean to skip ahead. Okay. Well, I, I'll say one thing about Best Adapted. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan, so I'm really happy to see Aaron Sorkin up there. And I've got to get my ass to the theater and see Molly and Game. This is also a... Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. This is also a first for James Mangold, if I'm not mistaken. He's uh, he did a, he did one of my favorite westerns uh, of the last you know, twenty years, of the last modern westerns, Three Ten to Yuma. Uh, he also did Walk the Line. Uh, he won Angelina Jolie an Oscar. Uh, so this is pretty interesting. This is kind of a good first for him. He really did he gets a lot of credit for reimagining the genre film with Logan. Well, it, this is a nice, solid list of writers. I'm very pleased with all of it. Aaron Sorkin, I always like when you talk about Aaron Sorkin, Aaron, I always think about uh, the social network. How it's like when they tried to auto-tune it, they did that joke about auto-tuning, and it was like so many words. It was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like just endless, endless, riveting words just coming at you like a bullet. Ah, stop it, stop it, stop it. But, you know, he's, it, 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 that's how his screenplays are to me. But they are pretty good, so. I'm still yeah. hearing hell of people in the background. I don't know what that is. Someone's got their so, radio up again. Yeah, turn it down or something. Turn down your radio. It sounds like it's a TV or radio. It's definitely not No, us. it's us. Is it us? Yeah, it is it us. It's, it's an echo or something, but I don't know who's creating it. Yeah. All right, let's see. We can't listen to the show and, and talk at the same time. I wonder if it's me. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Well, uh, no, last but not least, the, my favorite uh, category of the list, and the two of my favorite films of the year is on this list as well, uh, writing original screenplay. So this one has the big sick, Get Out, which was the only nomination I wanted to see, Get Out, Get, was the screenplay, because I am still doubling down that it's my favorite screenplay of the year. Not necessarily my favorite movie, but my favorite screenplay of the year. When The Big Sick was just phenomenally good screenplay. Uh, once again, Aaron Marie and I watched it together and were pleasantly surprised by that film. Uh, Greta Gerwig's second Yeah, we got pretty emotional at the end when we realized it was I real. totally did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lady Bird, oh my God, uh, Greta Gerwig. 
Yeah, it is. We totally did. Um, the Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, once again, another nomination and a writing nomination, which, you know, as much as we love him as a, a director, Guillermo del Toro's writing is, is pretty phenomenal. So, I mean, to be yeah. recognized for that, too, you know. And then last but not least, Martin McDonough gets another nomination for Bill Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So that's it. That's the Oscar noms. The ones I'm going to cover, at least, I'm done with them. But uh, I actually think it's a relatively mixed list, and I think we can start to see a little bit of change. I think we'll really see how the new rules and the new blood in the Oscars affects next year because it will be fully integrated next year. They'll have the last of the I, new group will be eligible for voting, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's worth pointing out that uh, a, lot of this, a lot of these changes started happening in 2014. And 2015. So 2016 was when you had three, when you had four films with people of color in the in the center: Lion, Hidden Fingers, Fences, and Moonlight. That was all. That was actually more of the year that really, uh, where there was really a big change. This film, I think, is more of an evening out where they weren't deliberately going for change. It just happened naturally that say Denzel Washington and Dan Kulaya and Mary J. Blythe got nominated. Well, it's a good eclectic list and a little bit of yeah. something for everybody. And that's how it should be in the Oscars, actually. Yeah, I would have said a little bit more women, but there were some women above the line nominations for women in that list. And we have the first DP there. Uh, so there's a lot of pleasant surprises there. But, you know, it's still not as good as our own list because as much as the Oscars fun it is to talk about Oscars, honestly – Reading our own lists and giving our own top fives and top tens is really, like, because they'll never, ever give the awards to the movies we love. So we have to give them to them ourselves. So that's what we're going to do next. So uh, I want to thank gonna, everybody for I'm talking to Oscar. Orange. I want to, before I go, uh, I want to uh, thank you all. I Can I shout off my top five, just list it before I head off? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to go with um, uh, Florida Project, which uh, ba- uh, Baby Driver, uh, Big Sick. So this was not a good Oscars for me since one and three were snubbed. Beatrice at dinner, and then I think I'm going to go with American Made, the Doug Lyman film. Oh, and Beguile. Those would be tied for five. Uh, anyway, uh, follow me on Twitter. At, oh, or just My blog is sophomorecritic.blogspot.com, and thanks so much for having me, everyone. Much appreciated. Thank you for coming on the show. It was wonderful yeah, speaking Oscars. Thank you. So have a good day and listen to the rest of the show at some point. All right. So that was Oren. And uh, thank you again, Oren, for being on the show and helping us with Oscars. So it's 1015. So we got a bit. We've got plenty of time here. Uh, We're going to go ahead. Do we want to take a break or do we want to um, uh, just go right into it? Let's just fucking do it. I think we need music, though. Don't we need some music? Let's get some music. Let's see. Number one song of the year. Let's how about that? Come on, come in. (laughs) We get a witness. You gotta see this. Remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances Vanessa nigga with some counterfeits But now I'm counting this Parmesan with my Alright, we're all very humbled And excited to tell you About our favorite films Of 2017 And uh, first 
uh, you know, very. It was a very solid year, not an amazing year, but a solid year of movies. And I ended up having a nice long list of films I really like. I even got a top twenty in this year. Not going to necessarily read the whole thing on the list. I'll post that on the after the show. But I, we are going to do our top five, and this is how we do it on the Sexy Witches. It's called the Sexy Witch Round Robin. Everyone has made a list of top ten. We're going to read five to one in descending order um, in, a, in a round robin. So uh, we'll uh, pick a person, and then each of us will go. I will go last every round. Um, and we'll slowly progress down to one. Now, if one of the other sexy witches has mentioned a film and we've already talked about it, you, they are welcome to pull something from six through ten or one of their honorable mentions. They're also allowed to have two ties in their top five. So you could actually have up to seven films in your top five if you wish that. Honorable mentions do not have to be movies. They can also be TV or something that they really want to talk about, uh, usually TV. Um, and I am this year because really David Lynch said it was supposed to be like a 13-hour movie. Um, Twin Peaks is counted uh, is eligible to be on people's top five this year. So um, with that bit out of the way... I am going to roll my magic die, and I am going to start with Erin Marie, you're first. Hey. My top five was The Girl with All the Gifts. Because the Girl with All there, the Gifts. The Girl with All the Gifts. There was a lot of extremely solid, well-done horror movies this past year, and three are in my top five. But The Girl with All the Gifts was just such an amazing movie. I mean... Absolutely agreed. It was so emotional to watch, just follow this girl's journey and, and find out who she was and what she was and, and to bring about the destruction of humankind. Just phenomenal. Um, it, it's my number one film of the year, actually. Nice. I, 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 Good yeah, um, I it was my favorite screenplay of the year. Um, I haven't read the book. It makes me so want to read the book so bad. Um, I loved everything about it. I love the art direction. I love the acting. I love the screenplay. Jennifer Artington is one of my favorite actresses. She's in the movie. Um, the story is heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. It takes it really and, and Queenie. How many zombie films have we seen? These were like the first original <laughs> zombies I had seen in ages. They did something new with yeah. these zombies. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, the human-zombie hybrid, which is self-aware. Well, not just them. I'm talking about yourself. the whole metamorphosis with the oh, forests yeah. and the plants yes. and how and organic it is. Yeah. The, yeah, you know, the 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 air you know the airborne viruses I mean all of it it was just it was it was like such a fresh spin on tropes that we know so well and you know you start to think that the zombie movie's been overplayed but then you get films like this and then last year's Train to Busan and no there's still good stories uh, to be told yeah so, um, do you have anything else you want to say about Girl with All the Gifts Erin Marie or anybody else. That last, shot, that last shot with her was just devastating. Oh. Watching those trees open up just one by one by one. 
I, I think the movie so totally beautiful. sticks the landing. Totally sticks the landing. I mean, it, it's a fun film to stick the landing. You know, it, it, the whole story, like everything about it, it's just so good. Oh my god, it's so good. Anyway, um, all right. So I roll the next die, and the next person to talk about the top five is Queenie. Queenie, you're up. All right. My number five is Devil's Candy. <laughs> How much have I, I talked about this, guys? Oh, my God. <laughs> so much. Talk away. Tell us. Tell uh, us about Devil's movie, Candy. Devil's Candy is one of those movies that reveals a horrible truth about humanity. You know what I mean? You get this glimpse of this one guy's fucking psychosis. And you're not sure what's supernatural and what's not because of just how they weave the story. It's so well done, but it's horrific. It is outright horrific. It makes you sick to your stomach watching it because everything is so visceral and real. Ugh. <laughs> I love it. And the metal, Metalhead uh, family, adorable, adorable. <laughs> uh, Beth's male performance of the year was Ethan Embry in this movie. He is fantastic. Oh, um, really is. You know, um, What's his name? John David Pruitt. Is that his name? He's uh, the villain in the he's film. Creepy. Oh, he's creepy. Terrifying. Terrifying. Just terrifying. Uh, some people, there are two cuts of the film. You have to be careful with that. The longer cut is very, very good. The shorter cut is not as good and a little confusing at the end. And I think when we watched it, the second, when you watched it with me, Queenie, at, at Halloween, yeah. I don't know which version that was, but I think it was the shorter one because people were Netflix, very confused. That's the shorter one. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I so saw it, I need to, on. Yeah. So I need to see it again. Um, I I have it at a tie at number 12 on my list, uh, Devil's Candy and Split, just so you know. Uh, anybody else seen the Devil's Candy in this group? Because, yeah, there's a reason why yeah. she's taking it. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, part of the madness. Uh, it is I think that was because... one that made people walk away, too. Like, <laughs> they were like, no, we're not even going to watch the last movie. We're done. <laughs> my, I was husband, like, okay, my, husband, my husband didn't finish The Devil's Candy. I finished it, it's but hard. only because I had to moderate. I actually found it very unpleasant, but because it got to me that under my skin, I give it kudos for that. If you if you That's really upset me, yeah, if you upset me, you win, especially in a horror film because yep. I am so jaded. <laughs> if you know, I like, ooh, what's happened next? Oh, did he get his entrails ripped out? No, I wasn't doing any of that during this film. This film was hmm. like, yeah. save her, save her. Go, oh my god, this sucks. This Sucks, you know. That was how I feel about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Not fair, not fair. It's an awful film, but it's done well. Mhm. Yeah, it totally is. Um, oh my god. So, uh, yeah, I showed it with the um, Devil's Candy with the Void um, for Halloween for the Madness this year with uh, its predecessor, Hellraiser. I thought that was actually an excellent Trevor feature. It um, was. You know. I thought it was great. And yeah. we had the void, we had candy, candy, and then we had Hellraiser. Best soundtrack of the adapted soundtrack of the year was Devil's Candy, uh, by far. Mm. The music choices are fantastic. Yep. Think, things you recognize yet not completely obvious choices. I totally love that for the metal music and that. Um, so it, it, it's a very well done film. Uh, it's up for best score for uh, Fright Meter. 
so that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all right, Aaron Cunningham, you're up. What's your number? What's your number five? My number five is a tie, and uh, I have to apologize. I have more than two ties in my list. But uh, number five <laughs> is a tie between Logan and mm. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. And I'm happy to talk about either one because I love both these films. Why don't you talk about the first one first? Because Last Jedi we'll talk about next because I also have it at number five. So mm, Okay, good. Logan, not based on the Old Man Logan limited series, which I thought it was going to be, uh, was its own thing. Uh, if you're a big X-Men fan, which I am, going back, cinematic Logan, cinematic Wolverine is very different than comic book Wolverine. And, uh, you know, right from the jump, I was one of those guys saying, wait a second, you got a six four guy to play little sawed off Logan? What the fuck? But you know what? Ah, the man won me over. Hugh Jackman fucking inhabited it. He made his own Logan. He made his own Wolverine. And it's not the same. And it's its own thing. And I love it for what it is. And uh, apparently... This is the send-off for Hugh Jackman as Logan, as Wolverine, although maybe we'll get him back in a Deadpool. Maybe we'll get him back in Avengers now that 20th Century Fox is part of Disney. Exactly. We'll see. But I mean, I remember watching. I was going to say, as a send-off, this was pretty fucking perfect. The tone is a lot darker. Um, yeah, it's kind of fun to see uh, Professor Xavier say fuck a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, for some reason, oh my God, it, I found yeah, it please, hard go. to enjoy the film because he was cranky, and it would like broke my child's spirit. <laughs> Just to <Wow>. see his <laughs> cranky mean professor, <laughs> I, I, I was devastated. I loved it. I was terrified. <laughs> I was so terrified. I was so saddened by it that I was just like, no, that's not him. These are not my people. Oh, the best line in the whole thing about that was uh, the the most powerful mind mind in the world, the most powerful psychic with dementia. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It is terrifying. Yeah. Amazing. Eventually your brain is going to go. I yeah. mean, what if he decided to go into Cerebro? Let's just say Cerebro still existed, and he went in there and oh, put no. the thing on. He could he kill. He could fry every literally. Maybe that's what every, happened. Well, he could fry. Remember how they keep alluding yeah. in the movie that he did something bad? Like, maybe, maybe that's that what, what happened. happened. He went to Cerebro no, no, I think, yeah, they I think the incident they were referring to was something like what happens the uh, hotel at the casino where he yeah. lost control and killed people. Well, that's what that, that, he that was, did that all of them, um, The other thing that I love about Logan is uh, it, it stands, you know, it, it works on a lot of levels, script, uh, conception, performances, and it stands up to repeated viewings. I have not yet seen it yep. black and white, which I understand is also really, really good. Uh, someone Ooh, described it as the longest Johnny Cash video you've ever seen. <laughs> I, I'm in. <laughs> I can't. I I can't wait. Bring it on. Yeah, black and white. Uh, and, Logan, I'll take it. Now, what I was going to say like, is, I remember um, reading an article where Hugh Jackman had said he was going to hang up and he retire Wolverine, but he did actually say that if the X Men 
comics were bought back by Marvel, that he would still do it. He Woo-hoo! did say that he would want to do it if Marvel was in charge. Right so on. I'm really excited about that. Nice. I was watching it with, with um, Aaron Marie, and we just saw a, actually more violent film, which I'll get to in a few minutes, um, back-to-back with it, which ended up being an awesome double feature, but I'm going to hold which movie that was in a few minutes. Um, I was watching it but not loving it. I really didn't realize how much I actually really liked Logan until the girl at the very end of the film goes over and flips across and then walks away, and then that was it. I think Aaron and I both just started blubbering. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gone. That was the most, the most emotional moment in a movie the entire – and there were some emotional last moments. I, I've, I cried a few times this year. And I didn't expect yeah. Logan to be one of those times. And even though Logan mm. is way down on my list, it's actually at 16. Um, I had the hmm. film that made me cry harder in front of it. Uh, I still think that it was, you know, I think it was an excellent swan song for the, that, the, that version of the X-Men. You know, I'm yeah. ready for the, I'm ready for the next step. Let's just put it that way. So, okay. Um, oh, you know. can we talk a, just a, one sentence about the next step? Yeah. The next step oh. is really exciting. It's the new mutants movie. It's going to be R and it's going to be horror and it's going to be the Demon Bear uh, story from the 80s New Mutants. Fucking yeah. What? What? Oh, yeah. Oh, back. yeah, baby. In production right now, we get Boy. it next year. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, that's and they're also down. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I'm, I'm like, I genuinely thought that came out this year because I thought we got two X-Men movies due this year with that one. And we know, also they, they pushed. No, they pushed, they pushed it back, back a, you know, whole, a whole 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 year. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we still get year. we still get the uh, Dark Phoenix this year too. Yes, yes. we do. Yeah, Sophie Turner's movie does come out this year. We just don't get New Mutants, um, so they decided not to release them in the same year. So, uh, but you guys think third time's a charm for the Phoenix saga? <laughs> you think third time's a charm? They'll do it right this time. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They have yet to do it. They haven't done it right yet. So, not yet. I don't know. I'm excited. I like the new X-Men movies have been so good for me. So, I think Dark Phoenix is going to kill it. We'll see. Fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see. But but while we're talking about the side thing, you should mention Legion is still the best, you know, genre comic book, TV show you're not watching, Legion, FXX. I know. I know. Really fucking good. Legion, watch it. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I finally saw, because of Repo Nerds, I finally saw Battlestar Galactica. So I watched that now. So All right. Oh. I, got my geek, I, got, I got my geek card back, so we'll get there. Speaking <laughs> of Battlestar Galactica and ripoffs, uh, let's talk about Star Wars Last Jedi, which happens to be at number five on your list and five on my list. And I have it tied, too, but I'll talk about the tie after we talk about Star Wars. I know that Queenie hasn't seen it yet, but she's about to. Erin Marie went to I'm see it. And, and I have, <laughs> you know, um, so Erin Cogan, 
This film deserves to be in the top five. It is actually one of the most divisive films of the year. Yes. Well, part of the divisiveness seems to be gender politics in film. Um, There's a huge backlash from the fucking men's movement fucking members who, if you believe them, went on to Rotten Tomatoes and drove the score down. Uh, I don't get it. There's, there's even now, and I'm not making this up, both hands to Jeebus, some ass clown made a cut of the film without any women in it. Bravo, dick cheese. Can't believe someone did it, but somebody did. Um, episode 8, The Last Jedi, is amazing on a number of levels. Uh, I'm not going to talk too long on it, but I'll tell you this thing. I am one of the biggest Star Wars nerds, and I'm one of those fucking nerds who goes, oh, it all went to shit with Return of the Jedi, and the the prequels suck. But I do have things to love about the prequels. I do love a lot of Return of the Jedi, but Ewoks really suck. And this film made me very happy on a number of levels. I thought it treated the, the history of Star Wars and the actors with great respect, but didn't, you know, deify them and, you know, make them into marble statues. And the, the best thing for me is it cleared the board. And the Star Wars films are now ready to jump off and do their own thing without being a look back and a call back uh, to other things, which I think is tremendous. The one problem with that is they're giving the next film to J.J. Abrams, who... That's all he can do unless he's fucking it up like his Star Trek films, but we'll get to that when the next one comes out. I'm terrified of him directing again, honestly. Yes, uh, that's what he should be. I, I agree. Uh, one of the things I loved about it is like, I saw The original New Hope when I was four years old. It is the fil- reason mm. why I'm on this podcast. It's the reason why I talk to you guys now. Um, it was the most important film in my life uh, for many, many years. And I thought that it actually honored the original trilogy in places you would not expect and was completely trope. I loved every minute of Mark Hamill's performance, and I mm-hmm. completely disagree with people about those sequences not making sense and being against typing character. Have they even been paying fucking attention to these movies Of course he goes hermit. What happens to all Jedi? They go hermit. It's what they do. They eventually go hide. Uh, You know, it's not been something they haven't done. I completely agree with the criticism of having Rose kind of sandwiched in. I felt like her, the actress was fine and she did fine with what she had, but she wasn't necessarily needed Though she did have the best line of the film and one of the best lines of the year. So, you know, there's that going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I thought Poe was a whiny bitch. I actually (laughs) hated those scenes. So, who laughed? (laughs) That was me. Oh, well, he was. He was a complete whiny bitch. And when when Carrie Fisher, when Princess Leia shoots him, I was like, shoot him again. You know, people talk to you. This is where I don't get. You know, I don't care about gender politics. You just don't talk to your boss that way, especially in the military. 
He's lucky they didn't jettison sure. his ass into space. He he, he should have oh, been the one floating outside, not Carrie Fisher. So. <laughs> well, they're paramilitary because you know they're the resistance to rebellion. But uh, point oh. taken, yeah. He thought he knew Why better, he and yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, at uh, least he didn't say he was going to Tashi Station for some power converters. Converters, yeah. Okay, we don't want to talk about it more because Queenie hasn't seen the movie and she's about to see it soon. But really, right. none of this is right. like none I of this know, is really. Well, this, none of this is really spoiling anything. You've probably got this from the web itself, but there's so many surprises. Even the cute, yeah. fuzzy creatures in Star Wars. Oh, my God. I love them. The I've avoided are, are, a lot of are, are, the spoilers. They're really good about bearable. They're bearable. You can deal with them. You okay. know? No, they're you so know. cute. <laughs> <laughs> he did a little Chewbacca yell. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So I'm elated to have a Star Wars movie in my top five, to be honest with you. Being a fan of the franchise, for better or for worse, for so long, that you got Ryan Johnson comes out with a subversive yet completely uh, canon movie is phenomenal. Yeah. And without spoiling it, Queenie, the best lightsaber battle you'll ever see. It's oh. the best. So oh, good. So good. It is the move. It is the laser battle that I've been waiting for for all of these movies. It got close oh, with the Phantom yeah. Menace. I actually do think the Darth Maul sequence is phenomenal in Phantom Menace. They, those guys fight like Jedi. Yeah, this is on good. its own level of awesome. Them. Now, this, this right. is on its level of awesome. You're going to love it. You know, I, I just like Ryan Johnson is a great independent director and he gave us one of the most controversial, awesome Star Wars films in years. So hooray. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I hope it wins at least one of the sound awards if it, if it doesn't win anything else. So uh, moving on, uh, same number five, though. Um, I wanted, I decide when I play like a top five isn't always my favorite films, but I think films that are important to the year. And I put the two most divisive films at number five in a tie. One is The Last Jedi, because it was super divisive. So what would be the other most divisive movie of 2017? What is my other number five, guys? Can you guess? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> divisive in mother, fandom? Mother, oh, of course. Of course mother, it is. Mother. Mother. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get to put one in, sadly. No, we we, we tried to fit that. it in with Aaron Marie, and we didn't get a chance to watch it, but I did fit it in with my husband. My husband liked it more than I did. I was really shocked right. at that. It ended up being hmm. totally on, totally was not, I was not expecting. I Once I figured out what was happening, it all clicked, and it makes total sense. It's a surreal, nightmare-fueled story. It is totally about Christianity. It's about paganism. It's about fanaticism. It's about religion. I mean, it's about all those things, but it's all symbolic. It's all surreal. And the performances are just completely balls out there. Mm. Like, they're weird as fuck. Um, Mm -hmm. The whole movie is shot so weird. It's shot from literally mid-shot, right? Normal mid-shot 
of Jennifer Lawrence's face. She's almost looking at the camera, and you're just responding to her reactions the whole fucking movie. The whole movie is her face and, and what's happening to her. And anytime the camera moves, it's always from her point of view. So it's very narrowly focused. And some people turn away from it because they don't like Jennifer Lawrence and they don't like – you know, they don't like her acting. I think it's completely unfair that she was nominated for a Razzie, and I think it's completely unfair that this film was nominated for a Razzie. Um, it's not one of those films that, it, even if you don't like the movie, it's not, it's you don't get it, or you like it, or you don't. That's it, right? Doesn't mean it's a bad yeah. film. Doesn't mean it deserves a Razzie next to fucking Transformers. Give me a break. Oh, it's not that kind of yeah. movie. Darren Aronofsky makes tough movies. He makes movies that challenge you. He makes movies that fight you, makes movies that make you feel unpleasant at the end. This film does all of those things, every single one of them. It pushes boundaries. There's body horror elements into this. There's war. It's more surrealist than a horror film. I actually don't consider it a horror film. I consider it more of a psychological mm-hmm. surreal thriller. Uh, horror, you know, psych- it's, it's, it's really about mindset. But really, it actually is. I wonder, should I just spoil what it is? Or do you guys want me not to see if you can figure no, it out? I want to okay. figure it out. Oh, wait. All right, fine. Okay. Because I, I'll look I, it up. I first wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, don't look it up. Because the thing is, like, I didn't really okay. understand what was happening while I was watching it. It wasn't until I walked away from it, it clicked. And I realized what its story was telling me. But it is, and here's the trick, it's an adapted screenplay. But what book is it adapted oh. from? Watch it and come back to me, and you'll get it. You'll totally get it, and it makes the film completely more watchable and I actually think it holds up to rewatches. So I think Mother's gonna be one of those films like the Criterion Collection in ten years is gonna come back with a beautiful special edition and and, and it's gonna have wonderful extras and it's gonna be all about the movie. So I'm hoping that. Uh, so Mother I have it number five. So anything else? Yeah. Uh number four. Movie. Aaron Murray Erin Marie, you're yeah. up. We're going to keep this order. My number four is Belko Experiment. <laughs> um, Belko I remember, Experiment. Yep. I remember when I watched it, I, I was just floored. It was so, It. I mean, it really didn't take long for them to turn mean-spirited. But everything was built around it just, like, intensifying so that they had no other choice but to get so brutal. And the choice of music, like them singing California Dreaming during like one of the big massacres. It was like the slow Japanese California Dreaming. Uh, everything about it. And even the one who's not chipped, who you think might survive, ends up like getting it. And it's just, it's a lot of surprises. It's a lot of fun. It's also very mean and brutal. And I just loved it. It is really mean. Like one of the meanest films I've seen in years. It is not nice to anybody in that movie. No, it's not. Mean, mean <laughs> movie. Uh, I, that was the other film that my husband walked out of this year. Um, he walked out of two screenings that I was watching. One was Devil's Candy. The other one was this one, Belkin Experiment. Once the upper management started to wail on lower management, he was done and he walked out. And I ended up watching the last 
15, 20 minutes by myself, which of course, you know, is fucking brutal. So I didn't find out that, oh, just, oh, yeah, no, loved it. Number four. Number four. <laughs> well, but you go, who wrote it? You're, predis- you're predisposed to like it because of who wrote it. Same with me, actually. James Gunn wrote it, and it was directed really? by uh, oh, Greg. Yeah. yeah, and Greg McLean directed it. Damn Greg right. McLean wrote, directed Wolf Creek. So there's where the mean spiritedness comes in. James, mm-hmm. James Gunn, as we know, has really black humor. It even seeps into Dar- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy occasionally. Um, but uh, And then McLean is just, every single one of his movies are brutal in some way. And yeah. Delco Experiment is no exception. I, I don't have it in my top 20, but I appreciate why it would be. I just found it the second most disturbing thing I've watched. <laughs> I wow. Put it on some of the things I really wanted to love this year, I didn't end up loving. Like, I've got Logan in my honorable mention. But, mm. And Get Out, like, at my number eight. But, uh, but yeah, no, our Velcro experiment hit me. I mean, watching my sister cringe to it was fabulous. She like, she doesn't cringe often, but man, it it was great. It had its, it had the right effect. I I do want to give a shout out to whoever was um, doing the act, directing the actors, because every death in that movie you feel they give. There's about a hundred people in that movie, and they give everyone just enough time for you to establish a hundred people, a hundred characters. And so when mm. everyone dies, you feel it, and you'll remember who they are. And so I, I think that it was actually really, really clever. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you feel every single one of those deaths, every single one of them. It, it, it's pretty impressive that way. Um, but it's still a very mean movie. Mean, mean, mean movie. <laughs> really mm. mean. It makes me want to cry right now. Sometimes so I like mean. my mean. Wow. Oh, it's a glutton for punishment kind of a film, man. I'll have to, uh, maybe I'll rewatch it when I'm in a better mood, you know. So uh, there was a better film, but I'll talk about that if I, I'm going to bring it up if if I need to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I didn't get a chance so. to watch that one, unfortunately. I have it on a flash drive, though. You will. Please do so. You'll really enjoy it. But we'll talk about that later because uh, now it's Queenie's turn for her number four. My number four? Is Gerald's game? Holy shit! Wow! (laughs) That movie so harsh. Oh, it's good. It was really good. Very loyal to the book. If you guys are Stephen King fans, I wish you are. (laughs) Oh man, that movie was so hard. It has one of my my... top three cringes in all of horror movie history, and all three of them are Stephen King. But degloving uh. your hand, holy shit! I was screaming at her. That's <laughs> enough cutting, bitch! Jesus Christ! You've got enough blood mm-hmm. to pull it out. <laughs> oh my God! That, 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 like, what? Low on the gore, but what gore it did have? Oh my God! Yeah, made oh, an impact. Pretty. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. That just makes my wrist hurt to think about it. Daryl's game is the example of less is more. Yes. It is, you know, uh, everything's in shadows and darkness and moonlight, uh, you know. Most of the I had... in one room. Like, the most oh, majority my... of the movie is in one room, and it's not boring. Yeah. No, no, not at all. 
And it's funny because I actually don't like the book. I read the book. I didn't like the book. I found the book tedious. I actually thought for an adapted screenplay, though, it worked so much better. I actually liked it more than the book. I liked wow. it. Wow. The movie. I, well, I like Michael Flanagan anyways. I, I love that director. Uh, you know, you just also saw Before I Wake. It's the same director. Yeah, that's right. That was pretty good, too. Not great, but it was good. Uh, my, last year he did, and I liked this movie, same actress stars in it. Uh, was it Ouija Origin of Evil, which was surprisingly oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He also directed Oculus with Carrie Gillian and about the evil mirror. And he also uh. directed Absentia, which is the troll in the tunnel uh, movie with the pregnant lady. Uh, so, uh, you know, all his films are very cool and unusual. And, and he has another one coming out soon, too. And uh, so Michael Flanagan, Gerald's Game. Uh, anything else you want to say about it, Queenie? Oh, pretty much like if you if you loved the book, you're going to really love this movie because they kind of make it better. And there's some hints to the Dark Tower in it, you know, that are pretty cool. So, yeah. <laughs> it's number 11. It just squeaked out of my top 10, Quinny. Uh, oh, well. Yes, in my top 20. I had to be different, you know. <laughs> No, I'm happy. That's why we do this round robin because it does, you know, even if it's not in my top five or ten, not that these films don't need to be talked about. So I, I love it because we usually end up talking about the most important films of the year this way. And Gerald's Game definitely is. It was like the best Stephen King adaptation we've had in ages. Oh yeah. You know, and there was and there was two really good solid Stephen King nominations this year. There was also uh, I what haven't was it, 1922 yet. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Mm. A lot of people really like that as well, and I have I have it on my list to watch this week, but I don't know if I'm going to get to it in time. I'm going to try though. Uh, it's up for a fright meter. So, uh, <clears throat> all right, Aaron Kogan, your number four. Uh, yes, another tie. Sorry, uh, Coco, and the Big Sick, and we can talk about either. Uh, let's go Big Sick. And then we'll yeah. Uh, Coco in a big sick. I am not a fan of uh, romantic comedies or dramedies, and I actually like this romedy comedy dramedy. Trademark Aaron, romedy comedy dramedy. Uh, <laughs> it's a really sharp script. It's funny and smart. I did actually know that it was uh, based on a true story going into it. Um, I, everything about it works for what it is, and you know. This is coming from a guy who's not really a fan of the fo- the format, the uh, the particular genre. But boy, was yeah, it good. With, when they started showing the pictures of the real couple, and we realized it was a real movie, we just lost our shit. Well, that was the second yeah. time we cried in that room that day. Yeah, we cried during Logan, <laughs> and then we cried during The Big Sick. We watched three films that day. That was the third film. Because uh, we're like, we just started crying. We're like, oh, my God, this is true. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is that good. Queenie, I don't usually recommend romances to you, but this film is dark enough. I think you actually would really like it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it's surprisingly it well done. Uh, if Get Out doesn't win screenplay, I would love to see this win it. Yeah, right. I agree. So, 
it, it's so good, uh, so good, and and it's and the premise is awesome, and you know, it, it just takes all those like stupid like what's McCallit movies, uh, sleeping with when the you know girl in the coma. I know, I know, she's yeah. serious. You know, all it, it takes things, yeah. You know, it takes those things and just turns it on its ear. And then what's even more amazing about it is it's true. Holly Hunter is phenomenal in it. Um, you she know, really is. It's just, oh, it, yeah. It, 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 Ray Romano. Was, uh, I don't even like Ray Romano. He's good in it. Exactly. He's really good in it. That, this is I think that's what I told Liz, too. I was like, I don't even really like Ray Romano, but this is such a good performance. Yeah. Oh, Best yeah, thing I've no, ever seen him it, do. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, this movie completely took me off guard, uh, how good it was. Oh, Oren had it on his list, too. He was actually the one that told me to watch it. And so that's why I said, okay, come on for the Oscar thing. Because, you know, he told me to watch mm. a film I would never normally watch. And I watched it, and it was great. So the big sick, uh, fuck yeah, the yeah. big sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <laughs> much more opposite end, and this was the first film of those three. So the second film was Logan. The third film was Big Sick because we needed a lighter film because the first film, my number four, <laughs> is yeah. Brawl on Cell Block 99. Sorry, Vince Vaughn. Mm. The most unsung film of the year. I am not seeing it on hardly on, once in a while it pops up, but I'm not seeing this film on anybody's top tens list. And it's ridiculous. It's not there. If you like those mm violent, grindy, fuck you, especially like the, the 90s, like, fuck you heist movies. This even goes beyond that. It was fun. It stars Vince Vaughn. Jennifer Carpenter's in it. Uh, it, it is just, uh, like, I watched it yeah, with Aaron Marie. Uh, so fucked up. It's what this movie <clears throat> is. Like, uh, ew, how I don't even know if I want to tell them about the plot, but let's just say, this guy has to, to save his, his, his pregnant girlfriend, has to take his situation and systematically make it worse. To the, yeah, like the just worst destroy his life, just, pretty much. Destroy his life. And you watch him go on this deliberate downward spiral, yet this guy has some kind of integrity. You root him on, and, he's, and he goes out with a bang. You know, like top of the world, ma, kind of bang. I mean, it is oh. really good. Um, best score of the year. I would say it was the best score I saw. The only other gore I'd say was almost as good might have been The Lore. Not The Lore, I'm sorry, The Void. The Lore was good, but The Void. I like The Void score, but I think this was better. This was more realistic. Best shot to the face I've seen in years. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I, I, was, I like really get upset with horror fans. They get sometimes too purist and they don't push out a little bit, and they pushed out just yeah. ever so slightly, they would hit this movie. And Brawl on Cellbox 99 just went to uh, Amazon Prime today. So I saw that. watch that fucker. Watch it. Watch that fucker. You can also get it on Netflix, but you have to get the disc if you have the disc plan still. But watch Cell- Brawl on Cellbox 99 starring Vince Vaughn. Totally fun. Totally terrible in all the right ways, absolutely brutal. I would say it was, like, the second most brutal film I saw this year. Uh, Logan, yeah. like I said, ended up being an excellent A-B to it. Like, they both had the similar vibes, lots of violence. But, oh, my God, it was it was a blast. I had a blast with it. <coughs> um, number three, Erin Marie. 
My number three was Autopsy of Jane Doe. Nice. Ooh, nice Autopsy of Jane Doe was one of my favorite films of the entire year. It was so good. I remember going into it blind, not knowing anything about it, other than, of course, that there was just going to be an autopsy. And I did watch another autopsy movie, which was the Autopsy of Anna Fritz or something like that. But, I mean, I called it from the moment. I was like, oh, my God, is this a fucking Salem witch? She is a witch. Oh. And and (laughs) just watching it come out that way was just amazing. Oh, it was so creepy and atmospheric and so, like, oh, yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Just, it was so good. I ended up watching it, I think, twice in one day because I came, um, I watched it with my sister and her and Kendra at that mom parents' house, and I immediately came home, and it was like, oh, my God, you guys, you fucking have to see this movie, and, and played it again. Uh, it's a solid directed film. Like, like I wasn't as loved it as other people did or you did, but I thought as a classically shot horror genre piece, it 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 is just it's it, it, it's a film class level. Like I would say, here you want to see what a classic horror film looks like in a modern era? Boom, watch this movie. It's got good direction, good acting. The makeup job is great. Uh, the autopsy itself is so much fun. I know, Queenie, you love the gore. It's fun to watch oh, yeah. them pull her apart. Oh, my God. So good. And, you know, oh, I used to watch the really. show Autopsies on, on, like, HBO and stuff like that. So, that I mean, just the that aspect itself was fascinating to me. But, but then to add the mystical, like, supernatural, the creepy, the radio controlling, the the trying to – and when you realize what, what's up with her, holy fuck. <laughs> yes. Yes. You really feel bad for the characters, too. Like, you know, you just feel so bad for them because you just know, oh, you guys are so fucked. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. You guys are fucked. Uh, and all the film is so bleak that way, too. You're just like, oh. But it is a good film. I very enjoyed it. Um, and Okay, so that was number three. So, Queenie, you're up. Number three? The Void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how it just captures cosmic horror. You know, this is so Lovecraftian and Hellraiser-esque and just like, ah, fuck, you know? The Void Triangle know. Man. It was, I wish I could remember more about it. I just saw it really early in the year. <laughs> Oh man, like the effects in this film are so good too. Very convincing, and and the monsters, oh, <laughs> I love them. They're just like jaw dropping. Queenie, I think the the shot of hell at the very end of the film is the best Clive Barker shot, not in a Clive Barker film. Yes, yes, mm. that whole sequence with him opening the gate and what he looks like because he's transformed now. The the doctor, just like oh. <laughs> What he does to the girl, I'm just like, oh no, no, not pregnancy well, shit, no. <laughs> uh, oh, and there's there's not one pregnancy. There's like two pregnancies two. in this film. Two for yeah, a two for awful. 
<laughs> They're awful and, 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 and horrid. Oh, and, and I want to shout out that a lot of people miss, but the girl that plays Needles from Scott Pilgrim is in The yeah. Void and yeah. she's really good in it. And people forget that she's in it. I didn't even recognize her till the end of the movie. And I well, she's her Oh, role. yeah. Nice. She totally. Yeah, that's her. And it was a spoiler, but she nice totally child. survives the movie. Yeah, last time she totally <laughs> survives the movie by cowering in a cupboard. That would be so yep. me. I'd be like, I'm hiding in a box. I'm not here. <laughs> Natalie <laughs> recognized her before I did, and I, I love Scott Pilgrim, and Natalie got it before I did. I know it's so funny. Oh, um. Of course, shout out to the makeup effects, right, Creedy? Yes. Oh, my God. Really fantastic effects. Really creepy, really gross. Yeah. And a really not good a lot mythology. of logic to the script. Yeah. Cool mythology, not a lot of logic to it. Uh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, talk about fire effects. Terrible burning alive at the very opening of the movie. Oh. I didn't forget about it. The movie opens yep. with one of the most brutal things I've seen in a long time. I was like, holy shit. That you know sucks. what it reminded me of? Yeah. It reminded me of Martyrs, how it opens. You know what I mean? Just like, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, what was I also thinking about the void? Oh, got to give a shout out to the score. The score. The music in yes. the void is oh so, so good. Spot on. Creepy, yeah, creepy music. I, my favorite ambient score of the year. Uh, you know, pure horror score, I would say it was The Void. Absolutely. So, right on. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Um, it's at number 10 on my list, by the way. Um, so we made the top 10. 10. <laughs> yep, and made the top 10. Number nine is a big six. So, you know, you can see the balance there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so and don't worry, we are running long, but I have it set up so we have a half-hour window. So we can get this done. We're going to finish this shit in the next few minutes. Okay, we're almost there. Yep, we're almost there. All right, Aaron Kogan, you're up. Number three. Okay, it's my last tie, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My my tie for number three is The Shape of Water and Okja, and we can talk about either one. I would like to hear about Okja. Okja was really wonderful, and I think if it wasn't uh, a Netflix uh, movie, I think we'd be talking about it more. Uh, That could be a whole segment of a show someday, how Amazon and Netflix are are still shut out of the Academy, are still shut out of critics and whatever else. But Okja works on a lot of different levels. Uh, It's just really well put together. Uh, it's kind of a fantasy film. It's definitely a polemic in the best way uh, about factory farming. Uh, the director, uh, I, I knew him from um, Snowpiercer, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Yes, uh, I love Korean Snowpiercer. And, yeah. Yep. And that the, was great movie. I, the, the, the The title the character is a ginormous super uh, that's been genetically cra- well he, yeah he's been genetically crafted i guess i i can spoil that for you but um some great performances and tilda swinton uh pushing it out there like she always does and uh really worth seeing i recommend 
Oh, Paul Dano is so on fire in this movie. Oh, my God. No he's doubt. So good in no this doubt. Film. That's the performance of the whole film. Um, uh, what's his name from uh, The Walking Dead? Uh, Donnie Young, is that his name? Yeah. He's also in Mayhem. He's in it, and, and he's, he's phenomenal in the movie. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal oh makes some really weird vocal choices, but um, it's, it's a performance you can't take your eye off this of. Film. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing in this film. It, it is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, my God. Ridiculous. Uh, I have it at number eight, by the way. Uh, oh, my nice. God. Yeah. Uh, Oakdale was so, – I love this director. He's one of my favorite directors. Uh, so, Do not uh, – Bong Ho-Zong. I know a lot of people like to watch their Netflix and eat dinner at the same time. You do not want to be eating bacon when you see this. Really, you probably <laughs> want to go with a vegetarian meal. I'm just saying. Uh, but uh, I, I know a lot of vegans that love this movie. Uh, yes, I, it definitely no wears its, its 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 vegan heart on its sleeve. It does do that, uh, but it's more. It's not really about eating meat, isn't the issue? It's more about the statement of making meat factory for a mass farming. market when meats, yeah, factory farming when when meat itself is becoming scarce. So it, yeah. and also shout out to the costumes and art direction to this movie. Yeah, it is way out there off the map. I mean, uh, yeah. Tilda Swinton is wearing some weird ass shit in this movie, <laughs> and it's all awesome. <laughs> and they have this hu- huge parade um, in the middle of t- of New York City at the end of the film. Yeah. It's the the grand finale, and it is so cool. Like, it is just a great looking movie. Uh, so it's an unsung film. One again, another unsung film of 2018. Yeah, and it's so, kind of a dark fairy yeah. tale, but you, it's so grounded. You, you never let it just go, oh, it's just a movie, oh, it's just a story, whatever. You're really invested in the characters. Uh, I think it's another one that uh, can actually make people cry. Uh, and and there's the promise of a sequel. Absolutely a Ooh. promise of a sequel at the end of this yeah. film. You watch it, there's yeah. a promise of a sequel, and it sounds like Netflix is going to give it to us, and I can't wait. I would love to see the second <laughs> half of this story because there's definitely more to be told. Definitely yeah. more to be told in this story. So uh, fantastic. Um, and you said, what was the other one? You had a tie. The Shape of Water. All right, go for it. Cause I don't have it on my list because I haven't seen it yet. So Does anyone have The Shape of Water that. on? No, I okay. haven't seen it yet, um, unfortunately. I get, you know, speaking of uh, fantasy and fairy tales, um, this is an, another dark fairy tale. It's got huge horror elements to it. You could even call it a horror movie if you want to. Um we all know that uh, Guillermo del Toro is fascinated with horror in general, Creature from the Black Lagoon specifically. Uh, there's definitely some shout-outs to that. Uh, it might be Doug Jones's best fucking work ever, and that's really saying something. Wow. What he gets across through the character. Um, all the performances are stellar. Um not not a false note in the whole thing. One of my favorite soundtracks of the year. I would be quite happy to see John Williams pick up for uh, The Last Jedi, but I'd be overjoyed if The Shape of Water did. And like everything else that Guillermo del Toro has ever done, just a gorgeous, sumptuous film. And just, yeah, good for the heart. I mean, although, not to spoil anything for anyone, I, I might disagree 
with uh, some people who think it, it has a rosy, happy ending. But see, and then we can talk about it. Oh, I will see it in the next. Uh, if Days of the Dead wasn't like staring me in the face with this whole thing with the women in horror power, I would have already seen it. But I'm going to try yeah. to see it before, before in the next couple weeks for sure. Yeah, my, I'm, my I'm sister and I are going to be slamming all the Oscar noms this weekend. So that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm, my I, weekend's going to hold. Honestly, though, it's so it's a big movie and it's up for and since it's the front runner for Oscar, I might have like exempted it mm-hmm. off my list anyways because it would skew the list. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, because I, I, I meant to like his movies. It's Guillermo del Toro. Everything about except for I didn't like Crimson Peak that much. I keep falling asleep during it. Really? But for the most, oh. yeah. For some reason, I keep falling asleep during that one. But but oh. it's Guillermo del Toro, and even his most sleepy film. Still, more visually stimulating and and mentally stimulating than two thirds of any of the comic book films. I know, don't don't. Amen. True. Amen. And Michael you know, Shannon, so, uh, great in everything. Again, great well, in this. Michael fucking Shannon. I mean, come on, he is the greatest right now. He's the greatest he no actor wrong. out there. Yeah, I think. Mean, yeah. All right. So, where are we at? Okay. So, uh, you had Coco at number four, right? Aaron Cohen. Yes. And I have it at number three. I actually have it tied. So let's talk about Coco real quick. Bring on. What, you know, I, I mentioned how much oh. I love the music. What else is awesome about Coco? Oh, it's visually stunning. Uh, the, the colors and everything. Uh, first and foremost, for me, being a huge Disney and Pixar fan, it's the first Pixar film in a long time that I can raise my head and say, yeah, I'm a, they do really good work. Because... God help me, I, I still can't bring myself to see Cars 3. Um, yeah. the, the characters are wonderful. The message is really good. It's maybe a little more aimed at kids, a little more simple than I expect from a Pixar film. Uh, usually when I think of things like the Toy Story trio, soon to be uh, quartet, um, I, I think of them being working on a little more sophisticated level. This is not a sophisticated film, but it is uh, a great film from start to finish. But I don't think it wants to be too complicated because it's talking about some very dark themes, if you think about it. I mean, about forgetting your family and legacy and, and you know, it takes place in the land of the dead. I mean, some kids aren't yeah. going to like it just because there's skeletons in it. You know, even though all these yeah, skeletons true. are absolutely gorgeous, and you know, I, I, and I think part of the fun is it's not the film itself, but it, like all the shout outs to all the Spanish culture in it, especially yep. the, the Frito Kahlo stuff. Oh my god, oh, that so was good! The best. You know, the the Frito Kahlo jokes were just so funny. Oh. Also, me. You know, <laughs> you know, like, you know it just. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, that that was actually my favorite funny part. I, I was, I think, the only one in the theater laughing out loud. But I thought that was hilarious. I um, was, er- I was laughing out loud. Right on. Early on, they had a problem because Disney, in typical Disney fashion, tried to put both feet in their mouth at the same time. Uh, they actually went ahead and attempted to copyright to trademark uh, "Day of the Dead," and you're not upset people because you know it's actually not just you know a a cultural let's all get drunk holiday 
or, you know, let's, you know, put on some other culture's thing. I know a lot of people here in Southern California look at it as Mexican Halloween, but it's not. It's actually uh, a, a religious holiday. No, it's with very, very, very holiday. The pagan <laughs> community of the, uh, of the native people of Mexico. So, uh, yeah, they, when they spoke it that badly, they brought on some really amazing uh, cultural ambassadors. And I was a little bit worried at that point because I was going, well, that can kind of mess up the entertainment flow of a movie, too, if you get a little preachy and that kind of thing. But I thought the balance was really well done. Uh, it, it might be the future of what films will look like in the future America, and I welcome it with open arms if it's coming, Amen. if that's what we're getting. It, it, it's so good, and, and it's so beautiful. And, and I had it at number three because, uh, I, first of all, they had the tech involved. They invented, once again, a tech to create this world, and they make this beautiful yeah. self-actual. Both worlds are beautiful, actually, the real world yeah. and the, the land of the dead. Uh, the best part of land of the dead, though, there's all these wonderful, like, public transportation things going everywhere, kind of mm-hmm. like a steampunk movie. All that's great. The magnolia symbolism, which is totally authentic yeah. and beautiful. Um, the, 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 even the merchandise that came from this film <laughs> rocks it. I love the Hector Barbie doll. Remember, I grabbed it when we were at Disneyland. I'm like, look at yes. Hector! You know, yes, oh yes. my God, he was just gorgeous. So I, I, if you haven't seen Coco, um, even if you're not a, it, it, yeah, it is a kids' film, but honestly, I think there's a lot for everyone to enjoy. I highly recommend going to see Coco, and I'm really glad that uh, I got to see it. Now, before we get on to my uh, finish up, I wanted to bring in my daughter's list because Coco is oh, her yeah. number one film of the year. She that was her favorite film, so I'm gonna read it. She actually has two ties in her top list, just like her mother. Um, so number five is My Little Pony, the music movie. She liked the music. Uh, number four was Boss Baby, which was nominated for an Oscar. So there's an Oscar nomination on my daughter's list. Number three was the Lego Batman, which is one of my honorable mentions. So I like the Lego so Batman my top movie. 20. Um, number two was a tie at Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and the Beauty and the Beast live action movie. Um, uh-huh. And number... And number one is a tie with Coco and Descendants 2. <laughs> ah. like Descendants 2. And, and, and you know what? For her, yes, the girls her age, Descendants 2 was huge. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, uh, you know, villains and good guy. It's not yeah. very good, but the music's huge. It's like high school. <laughs> it's Kenny Ortega. It's like high school musical with Disney villains. It's totally weird. Exactly. But, well, you know, they're awesome. I with their offspring, but I get it, I get it, you know, so it's all good. So that's yeah. my daughter's top five. I thought I'd let you guys, nice. I promised her I'd read it. Uh, my other number three, because Coco is tied with my, I have Coco with my two favorite mainstream films of the year. Uh, Coco was one of them, the other one was Get Out. So yes, Get Out made my top three. Um, nice. It's my number third film. We don't, uh, we could go in wide, I think it's a great film, but we don't have to too much. But I want to say, really has to do about the screenplay um, and the score. Uh, the screenplay is a shout-out to every 70s science fiction movie, weird movie I love, like Westworld and Stepford Wives mm-hmm. and, yes. the, and the Invasion of the Body Satcher, the Philip Kaufman version, which is one of my yeah. favorite 
versions of Band of Snusters. It's all there. The score is completely crazy and phenomenal. That I just played Red Bone by Childish Gambino at the opening of the show. That it was not nominated for Best Song is the biggest snub mm. of the Oscars. Okay, fuck yeah. them on that. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, it is is just a well-rounded movie for a first. Uh, you know, comedy is very hard. Horror is hard, and he found a way to yeah. combine both. Add a little bit of social commentary, and it's funny because if you watch it without the social commentary, watch it once all the way through. People see the social commentary in the social time. Watch it again. Watch Allison Williams' performance in particular again. Take the set mm. race poli- race out of it and watch what she's doing. How she's kidnapping him. How she's luring him. And it's all and how and, and you'll suddenly realize her responses to other people make a lot more sense. Like her response mm. to the cops has nothing to do with the cops harassing her. It's everything to know that the cop pulled him over and he has an ID. You know, things mm. like that. It, it's, it's really clever. Like, extremely clever. Um, the acting's pretty good. Uh, the p- supporting cast, actually. I thought the supporting cast in the film were kind of terrifying in subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, there's just so much going on. I really enjoyed Get Out, and I think, I'm, I'm like I said, even if it didn't win, that the idea that we finally got a horror film that that made that much money and actually, like, mainstreamed, and yeah. it's, it's a icing of a cake of a lot of other great horror films that are getting noticed. I mean, even the smaller ones, like The Void, got decent notice this year uh, mayhem got decent voting notice this year uh, you know some of the more li- gerald's game did excellently uh you know uh, they, yeah. there, there's a lot of uh kong even kong skull island did pretty well this year uh you know yeah. and you know talk about a sequel i can't wait for <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know <clears throat> you know so Get Out was, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that Jordan Peele is the best director. I actually don't think he deserves the director win, but I do think he deserves the adapted screenplay because clearly the man knows his movies because you can't write a script that good and not know the films that you're talking, that you, you, you know, because it's, that's what you're I love about, yeah, it, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it takes, it's like the girl with all the gifts. It takes something we've seen before, very similar tropes and themes, and repackages it and makes it fresh. And our generation in particular is really good at that. And here's Jordan Peele, and that's what he did. So, hooray, congratulations for having a good first knock out of the park. Let's see what your second one's like. (laughs) I have it as my best film, actually. I have it in my number one spot because uh, I do think it's really hard to make smart horror. Uh, it seems to me, I mean, Very one of my true. major problems to being a fan of horror uh, all these years previous to just getting into it now was it seemed to me that you have to have really s- people doing stupid things for it to work. Smart people doing stupid things and, you know, blondes tripping at the wrong time kind of thing. And, in fact, the title of the movie I, I think is kind of a shout-out to a, an old Richard Pryor routine in which he talked about white people in horror films and why that would never happen with black people. And he talked get, about the image of horror. Out. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, yep, the, 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 the guy walks out. into the house and he goes, get out. He says, okay, gone. 
Yep. <laughs> it's a it's really funny movie. If you've never seen Richard yeah. Pryor do it, you need to see it. But um, it's no, it's no, just it, a it, really it, smart film, and it's a film that tackles the race issues head on. And that's just not something that's done a lot. So especially yeah, in mainstream you know, cinema. So I put it top of my list. Best horror films are never about the monsters. It's always about a greater story. Because often the monsters aren't actually the villains of the story. It's the people in the story. So, yeah. you know, get out. It's, it's take the monsters away. The monsters are the people in the story. So very good. Uh, speaking of monsters, let's go to number two. We're going to have to speed this up a little bit, but we're doing good. Number two, we're getting close. Go, hmm. Marie. Go. Number go, two is Baby Marie. Driver for me. Yay. All right, from, from the moment from the moment my ass hit the seat in that theater and the movie started to the moment it ended, I was just on the edge of that fucker. It was so well done, from the editing, the music played, the performances, and goddamn Kevin Spacey for kind of spoiling it a little for me, but mm. it was just so good. Everything about it, I loved. I was mesmerized the entire time. Well, he is to to he is kind of a creepy asshole in it, and he does die. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, now know. we just know why he's been such a good creepy asshole <laughs> throughout his entire yeah. career. Yeah, method acting yeah. in the worst way, right? <laughs> um, well, but you know, Get Out is also an example of like why choreographers and stunt coordinators should work together more often because mm-hmm. the movie is a modern ballet from beginning to end. It is a ballet with cars. Uh, it was more right. interesting than Fate and Furious. Fate and Furious was okay. I had some decent, uh, well-shot chase scenes. This was way more exciting. Uh, mm. so, ballet is the exact term I used as well. It's a ballet. It absolutely is a ballet. Yeah, yeah. I was watching. People were using musical. I'm like, no, it's not a musical. That's a dance. You know, it's just so brilliantly executed. Like I said, tightest editing I've seen in a movie this year. I actually would hope it wins sound mixing as well. Because, I mean, Hmm. there's a constant soundtrack, and it's built as a device into the story. So there's always music going on in every fucking scene, but you have to follow dialogue and action and all this. And it it all syncs with the dialogue and the action. That's the thing. If you're a fan of Edgar Wright, and I love Edgar Wright, uh, some of the best bits in his movies, especially I'm thinking of the Coronetto trilogy, are when it's an action music sequence. Uh, The Queen song in uh, the pub, when they're beating on the owner, uh, with Don't tool stop cues. me now. Uh, yeah. Um, all, all, it's it's like those bits, but it's a whole fucking film of that. Action and music it's, just syncing up perfectly. I, I Which want is to probably see why it appealed to me so much. <laughs> hmm. I got to meet Edgar Wright this year. I got to see his film in an advanced screening and tell him how much I loved his film. Um, I loved Ansel Egort's performance in it, and I wish he had been in the Han Solo movie because he was up for it as well. Uh, oh, John Hamm, because so I'm not a fan of John Hamm, but oh I do my like God. But yeah, he was so fucking hot. good. Yeah, he was really good. Hot. 
hot. <laughs> oh, my God. Don <laughs> Bersnow was not in it enough. Don Bersnow should have been in it more. He was so good in that. He was for a moment, brief moment we had him. Uh, so there's a lot of good about Baby Driver. It's number seven for me. Uh, and I have it at so, eight. Uh, all right. Queenie, well, you're up. Okay, well, I I had Get Out, so I'm going to replace that with A Cure for Wellness. I don't know if anyone I have saw it that. My number 10. <laughs> I have it as my 10. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, it, it, I really liked it, and it fucked me up a little bit at the end there. That, you yeah, know what exactly. I'm talking about? Yeah, yes. yeah. And that's why I was, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm noping out of this movie now. <laughs> but I stayed with it to the end. I did. <laughs> I like to per- I like to torture myself. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these movies that I have on my list are harsh, man. <laughs> well, I have that quite a lot of horror hard. this time. I mean, I have been really good. at ten, and and the Babysitter was number nine for me. Like that was so oh, yeah, goddamn entertaining. That was a good one. That was a fun one. Yes, it was. I'm surprised uh, I didn't yeah. have better watch out on there, but. So a cure for wellness. It's it's very go- it's got evocative imagery. Like that's one of the things that really struck me. And the soundtrack's really good too, and the acting is just top notch. Everybody's like just on their game, and it's a really weird ass story. <laughs> really mm. weird. It <laughs> but takes I like the a while to get there. Yeah, but it's kind of like a weird version of Frankenstein. I think like that's what mm-hmm. I took from it, but. Mm-hmm. Right on. Oh man, and and it, it is like a kitchen sink. It's got incest and yeah, sadness <laughs> and insanity and asylums and needles and eels <laughs> and liquid. I mean everything. Fire, fire, burying people alive. Eels. You know, it, a lot of yeah, eels. Almost everything. any fear you can have is stuffed in there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got a little of everything, so it's a pretty fun film. And it has a good score, too. It had one of the better scores this year. Um, I actually thought we might saw it at Oscar. Um, I don't mean to rush, Queenie, but we're almost out of time. I want to finish this out. So let's go. Yeah, I only have till 1130. <laughs> oh, right. Aaron Cogan, number two. Wonder Woman. Not only one of the best <laughs> comic book movies, but a great movie just by itself. Uh, largely... Uh, because of the director and the star, although some really, 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 really good supporting actors too. Um, It just works on a lot of levels. It's not the Wonder Woman that I read in the comics. Again, I have to, again, once again, wonder, you know, Hollywood, why are you buying these properties to do something different with them? But what they do with it works for what it is. It's really exceptional. And, kind of ignored by the Academy, so fuck you, Academy. Completely ignored by the Academy. It got zero yeah. nominations. Okay. Wonder Go Woman was my number seven. It's my number 15, actually. Um, oh, I thought the ending... It, it's funny, because it has my greatest moment and my least great favorite moment this year in a comic book film. That the uh, liberation of Veld was phenomenal. I think the ending was stereotypical. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so that's why it's not as high the no man's land sequence for me is just amazing oh my god that is so good and uh but i cried my eyes out at the opening with the mascara and all those scenes just because it was a sheer joy of seeing a wonder woman done right that made me cry so that was awesome (laughs) um 
Okay, my number two is the lore, which I know that Erin Marie didn't like that much, but I love the Polish yeah. mermaid horror film. I absolutely loved it. I love the music. I loved everything about it. Uh, I love the makeup job, the costuming, the lighting. Um, it's a first-time director. The Seska sisters agree with me, so there's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I, I like if you, it was the most unique thing I saw this year. Yeah, it tells a very familiar story. It tells The Little Mermaid, and it tells it pretty uh, faithfully, actually. Uh, mm. So I, I and all the characters are offbeat and quirky. The music's actually rather good. There's two soundtracks, by the way. Look for both of them. One is the actual movie soundtrack, and the other one is a studio soundtrack. Um, and they're both good for different reasons, so I, have, I highly recommend picking up both versions. Uh, and uh, it's already got a Criterion uh, collection release because it's that good. So number two wow. is the letter. So, and I showed, and it was kind of a miss at my party. Most people didn't like it. I showed it for New Year's, but I stand by it. So. So, um, all right, number all one. Right, Aaron, number one, Aaron Marie, we're almost there. Uh, and this is where I said earlier that you're going to see why I'm a Marvel fan. I'm sorry. Thor Ragnarok was definitely my number one. It was so <laughs> fucking fun. I, Yay! I, I, I was right so on. in love with that. It was amazing. Every bit of it, Jeff Goldblum was fucking fabulous. <laughs> and to actually well, give I mean, Hulk a personality where he's joking and just having fun is just just to get to watch Hulk like interact with another character and actually talk. It was so good. Yeah. It was treated like a buddy comedy and it was great. That's awesome. I need to see it still. All right, Queenie, you're number and it's one. Just a Planet Hulk. My number one oh, yeah. is it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. So yeah, that was my number six. It just just missed out. Yeah, it's like it's only got like two or three things that bug me about it. Mostly the film is solid. Like just holy shit, I can't believe how well they did <laughs> with this movie. And there were some genuinely great creepy moments with Pennywise. I mean, him coming out of that slide. She nailed like, it. She nailed oh, it. Jesus he Christ. was so alien, and he could do that weird thing with his eyes that made it all the more yes. creepier. Like. And when he would drool at yeah. times because he's so hungry, like, oh. Queenie, he's a, Tim Curry he's a was Scars like guard. He's a Scars guard. They're all, like, scary sex. Yes. All of them. They're just, oh like, ethereal, so. creepy creatures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're all about yeah. it. All right, Aaron Kogan, you're number one. My number one was Get Out. Excellent. Yay! <laughs> so... Uh, mine was Girl with All the Gifts, which we already covered. So that's it. We got through our top five. If you guys can remember to post your top five in Sexy Witches page, I'll make sure. The lure wanted my attention, didn't they? I didn't touch it, I swear. So. Uh, we'll presented. be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I think like the first uh, the Tuesday after or Wednesday. It's going to be a special date because I'm going to take a day off because I'll be coming back from Days of the Dead. So next, uh, the 7th of February, which is a Wednesday, a rare Wednesday. We're going to do a Sexy Witches on that Wednesday, and we're going to have the Days of the Dead recap 
and a woman in horror recognition month. And I know Queenie has a bunch of stuff up her sleeve she's working on. We'll talk with her about that. <laughs> I'll probably have someone from the Days of the Dead panel on the show. We have a lot coming for you folks on Sexy Witches in the next few weeks. On the 21st of Fe- February, the director of Found and Headless, Scott Shermer, will be on the show. And then we'll have our Oscar recap on the, on the 6th. And then we'll have our music, movie musicals on the 20th of March. And uh, Emily Entrevia of the Feminine Chronique is going to um, guest host on that one because she's a huge musical fan. And that'll be a lot of fun. And then we have so much more. San Diego Comic-Con, Scares It Cares, Awesome Con. You're, we're, you're listening to Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. Thank you, everybody, for being on the show. Thank you, Erin Kogan. Thank you, Queenie Todd. Thank you, Erin Marie. Thank you, Warren, for calling. And please... Come back in a couple weeks and enjoy the show. We love you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you tonight with Remember Me. Good night now. (laughs) Good film hunting and blessed be. Remember me. Though I have to travel far, remember me. Each time you hear a sad guitar, know that I'm with you the only. 